0: Heavily, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip.
1: This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm
0: Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's Monday, the 17th of October, 2022, and fuck your life. It's time for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., Joined by my green drinking friend, he's got he. What is he? The king of Connecticut. He's the. Uh, what is it again? I'm, I'm the American uh, Alpha, Luke. No, no, no. You. But it's like I. What, what are you? Here? He's from CT and he's got CTE. It's my friend Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell. How are you? Wow, wow, Luke. <laughs> I'm happy
1: to be back. It was a fun weekend of fights. Boxing was the main course this weekend. Watch it be an appetizer in today's show, though. But Luke, you know, it's just another (laughs) Manic Monday and kind of wish it was Sunday, you know, because uh, that's my fun
0: day, right? Yeah,
1: my I don't have to run day.
0: Is that when your family leaves home and you watch pornography with the volume on?
1: That's despicable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is gross. I'm never there for you,
1: MK, okay? Don't buy that. Don't buy those clothes anymore, okay? <laughs> hey, speaking, Luke, speaking of MK Relics, look at this prototype hoodie I found. They don't even sell this donk shit right here. No, all right? they
0: don't. They had some early stuff. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. This is sort of middle of the road, but they do have good stuff, morningcombat.store. Not just for your, um, you know, pornography designs, but all kinds of good stuff actually is there, hats and... We have the trucker hat. The amateur director hat, I believe, yeah, is great on new hats. There right now. Great new hats. Yeah. There BC, very quickly, did you have a good weekend? Mine was not so great, to be honest with you.
1: Oh, wow. Do you want to get into it here, Luke? Let me let me be your shoulder to cry on.
0: No, yeah, it wasn't that bad, but yesterday I had to... We I, I, we lucked out. My brother had and his wife, they're having a kid in January, so there was a baby shower I went to. That was fine. That was cool, actually. Tell your um, brother
1: congrats on the sex, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, <laughs> right that's
0: right. Now. He procreated, it uh, looks yeah. like, but... um what I was gonna say was Saturday we went to like a couple of festivals out in town and my daughter had meltdowns like all day yeah. long, all was day. Was it long. the
1: equivalent of when you're like, Tooks, get back to the bed, you know, your bed, not ours," and then she's like, "F off, mother," and then you know, there we are, there we you know, are.
0: here's what it was. Very quickly, she like, you know, for, this is obvious, but kids love to get their faces painted. Yes. They love it. So and we then got they love
1: the... smearing it with their hands like a minute yes. after yes. too. You know?
0: Yes, they do. They have, that is absolutely correct. But well, we got in the line, and dude, they had two women who were doing it, but they weren't doing like, you know, when you get a face paint, it's usually just a little bit of part of the face. It takes Two five chicks minutes at a, one time? Well, not on one kid, but like I'm just saying, there was two women operating the, the booth, and uh, instead they were doing the Dia de los Muertos, the whole thing, so they were going like all white, then black circles, and then all the designs. I timed it. It was 20 minutes a kid. So after like an hour and a half, we barely moved. I told my daughter, we, we got to get out of here, and buddy... It was bloody oh, murder boy. the rest of the day. Is that so.
1: celebration exclusive to Mexico, Luke, or does it extend to Central and South America?
0: It's a Mexican tradition. I mean, I think other nations kind of play with it a little bit, but it's yeah. it's exclusively Mexican, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, all right, on today's show, as B.C. indicated, we have a lot to get to, including a lot of boxing, some of which B.C., we may have oversold a little bit. We'll talk about that when we get there. We also have. I don't UFC. think
1: we. I don't think we sold Shields Marshall enough. That was,
0: yeah, right. Yeah, maybe, maybe that one. But the the Wilder fight ended up being. Well, we'll talk about it here in just a minute. Hey, you got but, what
1: you paid for, Luke. Okay, you think you think you they did. tell Peter you North to take a long time, right? It's whatever. Whatever happens, happens. All right.
0: All right, very good. So we'll talk about that. Plus, we'll start with some UFC stuff. Thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit subscribe if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform. Which, by the way, we should say apologies to the audience. Uh, There was a bit of a mishap in not getting Friday's audio up early enough. I don't think that'll be an issue today.
1: Luke, we will. You and I can. We're the front-facing members of this team, so we'll take it on the chin.
0: But uh, I we would like few, to throw who did it under the bus. But I'm we not. We had going a
1: few mix-ups this weekend. Apologies to the audio-only crew. Apologies to those who tweeted me and said, "Hey, look, you told me there was going to be a Saturday night boxing post-fight show. I stayed up late for it. Where yeah. the hell was it? Well, it didn't happen. All right, well, will we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Okay. Is we'll, that your fault? it's 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 MK's fault and I'm and I am MK Luke so yeah in the end it
0: is my fault okay. all right fair enough but we will get to all of that stuff here today um okay BC oh Showtime is the label that pays you can go to showtime.com get a 30-day free trial if you like it you can keep it if not you can bounce uh, and by the way after the 30 days you can get it for three months thereafter 3.99 a month for each of those consecutive months so that's a fun little deal and uh, morning combat at gmail.com for Wednesdays fan subs and Fridays dead wrong bc i also want to note that we all want to turn back the clock and relive those glory days yeah for me i would love to wake up every morning with zero brain fog a clear mind and be as energized as i was when i was younger and thanks to first person i can at least start on that journey to take a more active role in my brain's overall health
1: very true you were very angry when you're younger though luke so maybe you should second guess that but here's the deal though first person is an (laughs) innovated cognitive supplement system which uses the medical benefits of get this mushrooms to activate the full potential of human cognition and brain health don't just ask us ask rashad right
0: that's right first person supplements made with functional mushrooms aimed to stimulate neurotransmitters that trigger activities like energy mood and sleep and first person
1: uses 100 percent grain-free organic mushrooms as well as highly curated blend of nutraceuticals nutraceuticals
0: That's right. I am personally looking forward to trying some of the Sunbeam supplement to help with motivation and focus. Of course, the goal is to be more productive and attentive throughout a very long day.
1: Yeah, I have tried them. They work fantastic. And you can, too, start improving your brain health and cognition right now with First Person. So here's the deal. Get 15% off your first order by going to this website, GetFirstPerson.com, but use our code COMBAT with a K.
0: Again, that's get F-I-R-S-T-P-E-R-S-O-N dot com code combat for 15% off. Get firstperson.com code combat with your first order. All right. With that out of the way, BC, let's get this party started if we can here. We start as we customarily do with the ultimate fighting championship. In the main event, Alexa Grasso gets the unanimous decision nod over Vivian Araujo. I think it's how you say it, Araujo. Uh at UFC Vegas 62. BC. First question on this. Were you impressed with her performance? Is part one. Part two, I know she had some other comments about it. We'll talk about that in a second. Do you think the UFC will offer her a title shot based on the record she has, of course, sub- previous to this? And then based on this win. Look, this was a solid win by Alexa Grasso, and this
1: played into kind of what I said ahead of time, handicapping it, that she's coming on. She's progressing at a fast rate. She's either adding or rounding out her skills at a fairly rapid level. Now, 4-0 in this new division that, of course, we had questions about when her body forced her out of 115. Well, she's answering those questions. Was it spectacular? Was it kick your TV screen in in this five-round main event opportunity? No. Not all wins have to be. But in using your question of is this enough, should this be enough, To launch now to the title level, I I think she's very close. I do think it's dependent upon that Caitlin Chukagian, Manon Farrow fight that, what, is this Saturday, Luke? Abu Dhabi, is that true?
0: Yes, correct. It it should open the main card, but I'll double check.
1: Because here's the deal. Is the UFC going to go back to the well and put 2 in a title shot if they don't have to? I don't believe they will, even though they re-signed her. She's on another win streak. Look, she's as tough as it gets in this division, short of the title level. But I like to reserve space here, potentially, that if Firo wins, and if she's able to do it in a dominant or stoppage manner... The UFC would have an interesting debate. Look, Alexa Grasso coming from Mexico I think is going to help her when it comes to who can we use, who do we want to use as the B-side here to, to go up against Valentina. But let's give Manon Farrow a shot now that French uh, the French doors are open. The UFC just did a uh, show there. You know they want to do a big pay-per-view there. You know the idea long-term of like Francis and Cyril rematching under the Eiffel Tower with maybe... Manon Ferro in the co-main event for the title. Look, all that stuff kind of makes sense. I say we revert, re reserve judgment until then, but did Alexa Grasso do anything in this victory negatively or to set her back? No. A solid yet unspectacular performance across the board, Luke. Am I hitting on any of the notes that you believe in deep in your heart?
0: I think that's right. I mean, if you're looking at uh, Manon Faro, which we'll talk about here, um, she is obviously undefeated in the UFC. She has a total of 10 pro fights. And in coming to the UFC, she has beaten uh, Victoria Leonardo, who I'm not even sure is on the roster anymore, Tabitha Ricci, which is pretty good, uh, Maria uh, Bueno Silva, and then more recently, Jennifer Maya. She decisioned the last two. Those are pretty good wins. So if she beats Caitlin Chukagian, you know, you could see a case where you beat two former title contenders back-to-back in Maya and Chukagian. She might get one. For me, with Grasso in this performance, we never said it on Friday, and it didn't really occur to me in the same way that it did after the fight was over, which is, dude, Arujo is hard to look good against. There are certain fighters out there where, yes, if you get a very preeminent talent, and they're way better than the rest of the division, then they can beat fighters like Arujo and still look spectacular. But you can still get very, very good fighters up against her, and it's not only difficult to win, it's just difficult to win in a very convincing way, because... She, it's deceiving, right? We talked about it. She takes damage. She's very physically strong. She kind of punches from a lot of different angles. She's constantly putting pressure in a lot of different ways. She can mix up with the takedowns. She's physically strong. That's a hard person to like hurt physically. It's a hard person to get physically off of you. It's just very difficult to do anything that really demonstrably stands out in that way. So I think that for me, what I saw here, remember what I said on Friday, and I really believe it was true, we knew that Grasso had the skills to beat someone like Arujo, but what you've often seen is I've seen other fighters tear her up early and then not be able to sustain the effort. She sustained the effort, and in fact, the only two takedowns of the 10 attempted from Arujo were given up in the second. She couldn't get any in the third, fourth, and then the fifth, she attempted four, all four of them got stuffed. I mean, this was a very strong performance. I get the point that you're making, and I don't really disagree with you that it wasn't, it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't super dominant. No, it wasn't those kinds and of not, things. And not every
1: win will be or has to be, Luke, just to right. be fair.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. I think, I think you're couching it fine. The only piece of sort of the twisting caveat I would give here is that I just think this is a, an opponent that's It's tough if this is your tryout for a title shot. Certain, if styles make fights, right? We all agree with that. This is a tough opponent upon which to make your title shot tryout. For the reasons articulated. Now, it also just so happens, BC, after the fight, that Grasso was asked by the media, hey, do you think you're ready for a shot against Valentina? She was like, I actually would like one more sort of five-round main event. They are different to prepare for. You're in a different spot, different kinds of situations. I actually really like that from her. 29 years of age, looking for that. The question is what the UFC will do. Let's pause it for a minute that Chukagian beats um, Manofiero so she's not even in the equation. Now, if you're the UFC, what do you do? Do you give her that extra main event or do you rush her to a title shot? Well, I think there's an interesting
1: discussion that plays on the question you asked, but also the larger title picture. Does it do you get the feeling that Talia Santos is not getting that rematch? That's that's off the table, correct against Shevchenko?
0: Seems very much. Aw- There's just no discussion about it whatsoever. And is
1: that is that a is that a, a backdoor revenge for uh, you know in terms of uh, her not paying her coaches like she should have, Luke? Is this karma catching up with her? No,
0: I mean I don't really believe in that kind of. All right, of nonsense, all right. Let's but, not go. No,
1: let's not. Let's shut that exit down. Let's stay on the highway here. So here's here's my question, Luke. You could argue that right now is as good as time as ever to start the four or five month build toward a trilogy between Amanda Nunes and Shevchenko. Am I am I incorrect or correct here?
0: You could do that, yes.
1: Because my question to you is, who else for both? You know what I mean? There's no one else at the moment that's kicking the door in in either division where if you're going to do that, you might as well build to that now. And if you do that, it would make a lot of sense potentially here that – Grosso could be facing the winner of next week's Chukagian-Faro uh, fight. Or, to be fair, Tyler Santos, if she doesn't get the immediate rematch and title shot, which it look like she's not, what do you think about Grosso running into her? What do you think about the idea of exactly what Grasso was saying, you know, whether let's give her that, that one more chance to earn it. I think it's refreshing to hear that. I think she responded well to the five round challenge. She was in tears afterwards talking about how hard she worked. She knows that there's that it's constant leveling up. It's constant. In, look, every time she adds another, you know, wrinkle to her game or takes on another challenge, Grasso is passing these tests, but her, she might be predicting her own future in a way because what are we waiting for on Nunes and Valentina? Like, seriously, what? Like, what? Like why would you wait any longer? It's an intriguing fight. It matters historically. I think the time is now, Luke. I,
0: I, I don't really mind that idea. I think, actually, it's a pretty good idea because, quite candidly, you could give a title shot to either Grasso or, again, if Fioro wins on Saturday, you could go either of those directions. But, candidly speaking, I and I know the UFC doesn't want to, like, you... As a matchmaker, one of the things you have to be careful about is having viable contenders for someone eliminating each other before they get a chance to fight, actually, the champion, which the UFC may not want to do here because the the cupboard is so bare, as we've talked about. I think, again, as it stands today, the rankings are not updated. They will be later on this afternoon after the show. But as it stands, you've got, I think, uh, Grasso sitting at number five or six in the division, meaning basically everyone inside the top five, except Jessica Andrade, has not had a title shot yet, and Andrade is certainly you know an interesting name, but hasn't quite done enough yet in this division to to warrant. Um, I, I actually, I think she's back. Is she back down? She's she's back, back at 150. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, so she's not even. She's still ranked in that in that space, but they, they'll update that accordingly. Anyway, you get the idea. So uh, my point being is, if they went with the Shevchenko Amanda Nunes, it actually would be better because one, that fight needs to happen and it'll be historically significant. That's one. Two you get Grasso getting another five-round main event. That would be kind of fun. And against Fioro, it's a good opponent. And then you just get a little bit more clarity about who's actually deserving of a flyaway title shot. But BC, if you end up having Grasso versus Fioro, let me pull up the rankings here very, very quickly so that we're all on the same page. I'm not just talking completely out of my ass in real time. Um, here's how it stands in that division right now. You, you do have Santos sitting at two, but then it's Murphy, Andraj, Grasso at five, uh, Arujo at six, Fioro at seven, Caitlin Chukagian sitting at one. Like, dude, you have to go literally to five and seven to get a title shot if, if somehow both of those are eliminated, right? Because one of them has to lose. So one gets a title shot, one has to be eliminated. And then that person loses. Dude, you're having to go down to number nine or ten in the division of Andre or Lee or Casey O'Neal. I think the UFC might be hesitant to make a Grasso versus VRO matchup for just that very reason.
1: No, those are very good points. I, I do want to also throw out there, though, to to, fu- to further cement my idea, though, Shevchenko finally looked human last fight against Tyler Santos. And Nunes lost the title and was able to win it back and improve, you know, and reprove her greatness. But it goes to show you that you wait much longer. You know, history could change before you have a chance to put these two historical figures against one another. But, Luke, I don't... I don't like to do this. I don't like to call you onto the carpet of pronunciations and and find out firsthand whether your drapes match your own carpet there, Luke. But, you know, you could just as easily say Santos instead of Santos and Grasso instead of Grasso and Adujo instead of Rouge. I mean, this is some sage Chardet bullshit from you, and you don't typically pull that. So I'm a little bit disappointed in you this Monday morning, Luke. And I'm it's, the guy who can't yeah. figure out if it's risen or rising, Luke. Okay. You Listen, know, this I, is
0: all, I, these are all very fair criticisms. I've I, again, you know, it's a common refrain you hear from me, and I know people are sick of hearing it, but it really is true. My sleep is, is a disaster, and I can't think for five minutes straight without some kind of you know oh look a butterfly you know i mean i'm really just dying over here mentally from the inside out so you all those criticisms absolutely fair and i don't know what to say about but it. but you
1: know what haters will say do you know what haters will say and i'm not talking about bgl but haters will say if one of these women were colombian we wouldn't have this issue that's what they would say okay?
0: <laughs> listen <laughs> right. i would like to tell you that they're wrong they're probably not wrong you okay. know I, right. I really am guilty as charged here this morning all right but all right, that Luke, point, wait, tell
1: me this tell me this from your eyes, you're you're a keener, a keener eye. What did Alexa Grosso do in this fight that took her stock to another level that impressed you that we are talking about setting the stage for a potential title opportunity?
0: Well, it was funny that Dominic Cruz took a moment to throw shade at MMA statistics, which I just have to tell you, I really find Hold on, I
1: activated my Alexa. One second. Alexa off. Sorry, that it, it happened,
0: Luke. It, it, it
1: did, it did. Grasso made it happen. It happened. Go ahead, Luke.
0: I was just going to say, which really blows my mind, because I just don't understand how you could have the role as a commentator and then have hostility towards statistics and MMA. It seems like one of your more valuable tools, or at least some kind of a valuable tool, not some kind of, you know, referendum or, or, or challenge to your authority. i I'd never understand that. But, okay, neither here nor there. The reason why I bring it up is because Richard Mann of Fightmetric, uh, he puts out a column every week sort of detailing what the statistical picture looks like ahead of every weekend's UFC main event. And his assessment using the numbers from the past week were like right on the money. What stood out to me was that you had Grasso, who doesn't have lights out takedown defense, but over the course of a bout is very difficult to hold down for prolonged periods of time which is true. She did have to give up a lot of time under control in the second round, but that is basically it. And so that was something that we knew was going to play a role. But the thing that I wanted to say that really stood out to me was something I alluded to earlier, BC, which was, I knew that she had the skills, but did she have the discipline and, frankly, the IQ to make good choices over the course of 25 minutes? That is actually a much more difficult task than it looks like, especially against an opponent who is both durable and physical, yet hittable, It can be a little bit hard to do that. She had good decision-making for 25 minutes. She did not ever compromise um, herself by making poor decisions. She was never really out of position. And if she got put into a control spot, she found ways around it over time and then never really let her opponent get back there. She shut the door on her constantly, which against this kind of sort of tricky opponent is very, very difficult to do. So that's what stood out to me. Good decision-making – Around her existing abilities, incrementally better for sure, but applied very, um, very professionally, very diligently for an extended period of time. Hard to do that. She did. Did it you
1: well. ag- did you agree with the scoring in the end? I, I agree that she was the rightful winner. Wasn't there one or maybe even two, four rounds to one cards out there?
0: Um, the scores were Mike Bell had it. F- Fifty to forty-five. Saldi 49 forty-nine, forty-six, and then Janicciro Camiglio having a forty-nine, forty-six. That's about right. I would give her one round. Maybe you give her the second round or something, something like that. Um, but other, maybe the fourth or something. But in general, no. I thought that that was there was it was easy to find three rounds. I would say yeah. it was easy to find three rounds for Grasso. Right. That sounds very about right.
1: fair. Very fair.
0: Um, all right. So let's talk now about the second fight on that card and point number two here. Jonathan Martinez, man, what do you want to say, BC? He, I mean, we let Cub Swanson, and I'll cop to this very quickly, we did have a caveat on Friday saying we just didn't know what kind of Cub we were going to get at bantamweight, but he made weight looked like relatively easily. He did not look super drained. I want to talk about what benefits may have been conferred or not from going to bantamweight, but he didn't look compromised. I want to make that point. And the reason why I make that point is because I thought if you got a relatively similar cup from 145, even in this later stage of his career, that I I thought he was going to beat up Martinez pretty handily. It was the exact opposite. Dude, Martinez demolished him, demolished him. Okay, how big of a win was this for Martinez? And how big of a step up for him was this as well? It was big for Martinez.
1: Fourth straight win. I believe he's got something like five wins in his last six fights. But, you know, this is a big name. And, And to your... The first half of your question regarding Cub, and to be fair, because of Cub's name, that played into a lot of our pre-fight talk was just what will Cub look like, you know, is it too late at 38? I think it's somewhat inconclusive regarding Cub, meaning I didn't see him physically compromised at this weight class. I just saw a hungry young fighter in the 26-year-old Martinez come out, take control of the moment, let us know his name if we didn't beforehand afterwards, and be destructive as shit in chopping this veteran warrior down. One leg kick after another from the outside, from the inside. Switching legs, just absolutely brutalizing him. That, yeah, at the end of the day, this was a step-up, big-boy performance from Jonathan Martinez. And I think it's going to put him his name on the map. You know, this division's so deep with up-and-comers, legends, guys in the midst of their prime. It's easy to get lost when you're not in that top ten in terms of people talking about you uh you know this doesn't allow you to he- cut to the head of the class but this gets your name known people are going to be talking about him after this performance so i got nothing bad to say about it luke it was destructive it was step up it was confident it was mature and uh damn it was hard to watch by the end of it i mean he he kicked the shit out of him luke literally he
0: really did i mean with with jesus though the leg shots were punishing i mean look at these highlights. This is, this is really what sort of caught my attention about the whole thing, BC, was that, <sighs> Jesus, where do I start? I mean, ta- I kind of have to start with Cobb, unfortunately, because that's sort of where I had framed everything from the get-go. I don't really know what he got out of this. I, you can make the argument that it's inconclusive. Fine. By the way, here I am drinking my Killer Cub mug and coffee. I, by the way, he's got the best you know athlete-endorsed or made coffee, whatever you want to call it, that I've ever had. It's really, really good. Uh, from Columbia, by the way. Should be known. But the point I want to make was, BC, um, he, looked, he didn't look drained, but his—this is what also— Okay, I'm trying to, like, put a few things here together. Two things really stood out to me about Cub. One was that he did not look drained, certainly, but on the other side, it almost looked like his style was not new enough for modern MMA. Did you see how many times he was throwing, like, big single strikes, trying to get in and then get out? And Martinez was basically, for the most part, either eating it or having none of it. But when he was eating it, he seemed quite durable. And in fact, he was the one dishing out the far worse punishment, which I thought was kind of interesting. So you had the situation where like, okay, the weight cut didn't necessarily hurt him, but I don't know that it necessarily elevated him either. And more to the point, there might be some durability issues in part because, hello, he's 38 and he's been fighting for a very long time. But also on top of that, like, Going down to that weight class and depleting yourself against a guy who has offense in a lot of different phases, is well-suited for the weight class, looked to be a little bit faster to me, and just had a bit more of a modern game. That Dude, that was overwhelming, quite literally. It was overwhelming for Cub to deal with that. And I'm not here to say that Martinez is not a good fighter. I think by virtue of this performance, anybody like me who was potentially discounting him on Friday needs to reevaluate that. But... I just go back to it. It's like I think this was a great win for Martinez because it showcased all the high notes of his game and, and all the different ways in which he can meaningfully score damaging offense. All the different phases, all the different ranges, and how much more modern his game is. On the other side, it was just a bit of a reflection for me on Cub, where like he's up, he's down, he's up, he's down in the win loss column. But the bantamweight cut, man. I don't. I it, it, if this is supposed to be the start of a new lease on life, I can buy yeah. that. You know, one fight. Oh, last thing, I can buy that one fight isn't enough to make a strong determination, but the early the early reviews are not positive.
1: Yeah, let me, well, let me put the, the the term I use there in the proper context because people sometimes they miss what I'm really trying to say, Luke. Is that a me problem or a them problem? You know, In this case, I want to say this. If your expectations were that at 38, Cubs Swanson is going to go to a new division that happens to be the deepest in the sport and maybe the deepest in history, and come through with a spectacular finished performance and announce himself as a new contender. Well, I never really firmly bought into that in the first place. So when I say the results for Cub here was kind of, what was the word I said, Luke?
0: Inconclusive.
1: Um, inconclu- I was going to say inconsequential. Inconclusive is to the idea of whether long-term is this the the right move? Can he have success in this weight class? I think that's still inconclusive. The idea of him, and I know he's trying to talk himself up, of course he did this for a purpose, to try to enter a new division, clean slate, use what he's got left in the tank. No, this didn't validate any of those those ideas of him now moving into the top ten. I mean, not only did he lose, he got stopped and somewhat brutally, to be fair. But inconclusive in the larger picture of does he have life left here? I think the question you asked is what did he gain from this Is that an easy cut? I mean, they talked it as he was walking to the cage, the announcers of, you know, he felt like he was cutting to 145 too easy in recent years, and he really wanted to challenge himself. I don't think he needs to run away from Bantamweight. I don't know if he fully learned exactly what what he looks like or who he is as a 135-pound fighter, but the result certainly puts in a, a ceiling there in terms of what our expectations can be moving forward. No question
0: yeah that uh, I, I certainly don't question that as well now we're looking I, I don't know that this was the kind of performance for Martinez that would necessarily put him inside the top 15 space because you've got Umar Nurmagomedov at 13 Yanez at 14 Jack short 15. he's still got some work to do there as you indicated it's one of the more uh it's one of the more deeper divisions inside the sport but he said something kind of interesting post fight remember how we referenced on Friday that Cub had a weird media day where he had, like, an anger translator who spoke for him, and he didn't say a word at media day. Martinez, now, fighters are going to take anything they can as, like, oh, you're against me, well, then I'm going to stick it to you kind of thing as, as like, motivational fuel for their careers. But he sort of took that as a slight. I didn't think that Cub was trying to do that. Did you?
1: What, trying to slight the, the media and fans?
0: No. Cub, by having that weird media day that he had, was insulting martinez as somehow not worth his time
1: no you have to wonder if that way cut turned out to be harder than even cub thought so he just thought look let me just conceal myself you know take the attention off of me put it on this guy i mean i look i'd love to be your anger translator in in real time some argue that i am luke you know are you my anger translator in some ways, or I might be the activator of your anger. That's also in play. But no, I didn't I didn't read anything extra on there. Let me look look, the expectations do have to be, you know, tempered. Is that the word? Tempered? Tempered? Yes. To begin yes. with at 38. Um, rough setback, tough setback. Now he's gotta figure out was what is the is the juice worth the squeeze here? Should I just go to back to 145 and you know, play out what I've got left? Look, to be very fair here. And Cubs have been through the wars, and he's fought everybody that he could. And he almost got to the title level, right? He was very close a couple of times uh, in terms of getting to the very top of that mountain. I don't know how many fights he has left on his deal, but this would be the type of aging free agent who, who could potentially find more life elsewhere, would you say? Like a BKFC? No, I don't want him to get off the last stop on the highway. I'm just saying, if you had found out tomorrow that he was inserted into a PFL season... Right. You'd go, okay. maybe let's see if he can find new life here. Right.
0: Yeah. I don't know if they're doing one thirty five. Isn't it right that they don't have a one thirty five division anymore or ever? I don't think they have one thirty five. But to your point, could they do one forty five? Yes. There certainly is a case to be made that, like, again, he's up and he's down. It's not it's not universal and slow and steady decline. I mean, obviously, there is decline in in a larger sense, but competitively, he's able to amass a win and a loss and a win and a loss. And that's sort of where he is. I did not get the impression that Cub can't win anymore. That's not the argument that I'm making. But when you make a big change like this, it's like, okay, let's see if we can, you know, ascertain what the benefit might be. And again, you could go back to the Morais fight, which Aldo lost, and you could say, well, you know, Aldo didn't necessarily start off all that great either. But then if you look at the actual details of the performance, you could say Aldo should have won that fight and certainly had, you know, strong moments where he looked pretty good, subs- uh, and then following that uh, as well. This just didn't look like it conferred any benefit. I just didn't see the firepower didn't get added. The durability wasn't necessarily there. Um, the speed wasn't necessarily there. And then again, these bantamweights, man, they have really, e- even unranked ones, have much more advanced games. I'm looking at who he has lost to Jonathan Martinez in the UFC, Davy Grant and Andre Ewell being kind of the last two. The Ewell fight was a split decision loss. Grant polished him off inside the second with punches. Seems to me like high-pressure guys, either in the wrestling or even the striking department, Grant has like a high output, um, tend to give him problems. Cub being a sort of a single-punch guy, that's like the opposite of the kind of thing that typically gives Martinez problems, historically speaking. So maybe in the NBC, it was just a bad matchup. Maybe it was just a bad matchup. Yeah, it happens, you know? Last thing on this, would you want to see Cub continue to try bantamweight or back to 145? I'd personally like to see him go
1: back to 145. And that's why I sort of introduced, not knowing his contract situation, the idea that, like, what is left for him? Is it is it just, you know, play out what I have left, be in some fun competitive fights, try to get as many wins as I can? Or could it be, you know, dropping down a bit and, and taking on a different level of com- competition, Luke, elsewhere? I don't, I don't know his contract situation, but if he's staying, if he's got a lot more fights left... You know, he, did he learn everything he could have learned about what he could look like at one thirty five? No, but I think your original question is the one that stands the the, the firmest still. Of you know, only he's going to know if this is actually worth it for him to continue down this path.
0: Yeah, he won in twenty twenty in December of twenty twenty, beating Daniel Pineda. But then he lost to Giga Chakazi. Okay, no 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 shame there. He's tough. Then he beat Darren Elkins in twenty twenty one. He KO'd him inside of a round. That's amazing. And then loses to Martinez here at one thirty five. That to me does not signal. The end is imminent. Uh, Obviously, at thirty-eight, it probably is closer than it is um, than we might imagine in certain scenarios. But it doesn't mean that, like, oh, he has to retire right away. I don't, I don't think that's quite the case. But was not his not his night certainly on Saturday. All right, BC, let's talk about um, let's talk about the boxing side of things, shall we? Now, I want to, I want let's start with this one, Deontay Wilder. He wins by KO, one punch inside the very first round it wasn't competitive i mean i guess for as long as it lasted until it didn't No,
1: it was competitive it just went when it's over in a while their fight it's fucking over luke okay yeah, that's okay. the deal all
0: right all right all right so here's the first question i want to ask and there's not much tape to go on but we talked about how he was really light right at the yeah. weigh-ins 214 <clears throat> is Deontay as good as ever or is he new and improved
1: I think it's as good as ever. And that's the best you can hope for following two consecutive stoppage losses in both, you know, one against Fury, the second one being one sided, the third one being competitive at times, largely one sided. But the biggest theme here is that, you know, Wilder was willing to risk it all and, and, and got served, took time off, considered retirement, made out with his own statue. Now he's back. Again, at the end of the day, did you get the the bang for your buck if you paid seventy five bucks for this? Well, that's you got to debate that with yourself. You still got at the end of the day what you were looking for. Maybe not a full referendum on exactly where Deontay Wilder is physically, mentally, all that in terms of if we had seen him box eight to nine rounds. But he was in there with a guy his size who could punch, and they've got history together and he only landed three total punches and needed just one with that perfect right-hand counter from the corner to knock this man cold, ice cold. So I think in the totality of the build-up to this fight and what we saw on fight night, he's as good as he ever was, Luke, because he's back in the type of shape. Well, he never fell out of the shape. The point was that he added 23, 24 pounds of bulk for the second and third Fury fight, which strategically, not a bad idea. But when he's in this you know, cruiserweight plus sort of bridgerweight area of 214, 215. He is dangerous as F. We already know he has certain sublime superpowers in terms of his intangibles, not just the power, his, his gas tank, his ability to stay poised, even if he's losing on the cards and still deliver the boom. I think if you take his interviews as a whole, the way he looked and acted here physically in this very, very, very short window of footage, not only is he back, Luke, I'm not sure he's not going to win another heavyweight title before it's mm. all said and done. He's only he's 36, yes, he'll be 37 soon, but that's extremely young. Has he taken a fair amount of damage of late? Of course, yes. That is also to be expected at heavyweight. But he has the great equalizer that, I'm sorry, on paper, unless you're Tyson Fury or, or Alexander Usyk, and these are two heavyweights, by the way, who are all-time heavyweights, we're finding out. Seriously, both need to add a few more names, but both have the type of skills and ability that you don't see at heavyweight now, then, you know, in in general, especially now, but short of those guys and Wilder could knock out either of those guys at any given point. I don't know if, if there's another heavyweight that can go 12 full rounds with him. I don't. What I like to see him against Andy Ruiz or eventually against Anthony Joshua or against anyone. Yes. Dillian White. I mean, I want to see Wilder against everybody because this is what he delivers. But, one thing, a couple things are true at the same time. One, he's never going to be the boxer in terms of pure ability and technique that's going to win you over or make you not potentially criticize him. But he's also never going to be dull, and he's also never going to be out of a fight because he's so strong, so athletic, he's so poised, and he never gets enough credit for that. This was the, the full boom. He's back, and I think, Luke, he's back in a very big way because the only fights we're talking about now are the, you know, Pay-per-view blockbuster world title ver- variety, maybe separate for Andrew Ruiz, who at least is a former champion in the same promotional stable as him. This is as good as it gets for Wilder. He's back, and I think he's back in a big way. Luke, what what can you pick apart from this negative? Nothing not, at all. Not,
0: I mean, not much. I mean, you you kind of know what you're going to get with Deontay. The, the way you said it, like he doesn't have Andre Ward level boxing or footwork or anything else like that. Um, but he's patient. He is patient. And he has, you know, a nuclear bomb attached to his right hand. I mean, we're talking about a guy. We've had this argument a million times, or at least a debate, and it certainly is one. Who are the hardest punchers in boxing in all-time history? You go Ernie Shavers or Julian Jackson or whatever. Um, And, you know, Foreman's another guy you could pick as well. And, excuse me, Wilder doesn't have power in both hands that way. But in terms of his power punch, his single right hand, one of the most lethal right hands in the history of boxing man i mean it's the fucking death touch this guy and that just wasn't even a great punch huh? Luke.
1: Wait, to be fair the the, the knockout in the second ortiz fight kind of reminded me of the punch that he landed here yeah. wasn't a perfect punch didn't turn the chin it actually nope. hit him straight on in the nose but when you've got power that's just nuclear and you're able to line up a straight shot you don't need the full extension you don't need all the room in the world you just need to land that thing and and body scatter dude that's just what it is and if there was another hole in his game beyond the boxing that you can expose then he wouldn't be who he is today but because there's not they don't they don't make people that can stand up to him unless they're super duper special that's the reality of heavyweight history luke love him or hate him he's still in this game and he's still very
0: very viable Well, this is why a performance like this one, I mean, you know, whether or not I think you said it correctly, whether or not you feel like you got your money's worth on pay-per-view is up to the person who purchased it. But what I can say is, I don't know how you feel, BC. And again, you can make all the arguments in the world that for the majority, however long that fight lasts, Deontay Wilder would be thoroughly outboxed. Fine. I, I cede control of that argument to whoever wants to make it. But if Deontay Wilder fights anthony joshua i'm picking deontay wilder 10 times out of 10 sorry dude if you mean to tell me he only landed three punches on robert Hellenius and all he needed was fucking one of them which wasn't even at full extension to do that you cannot sell me on the idea that anthony joshua can box and move and get out of way of enough punches over the course of 36 minutes to avoid a similar fate i don't buy it i simply do not buy it i don't believe it anthony joshua is a better boxer than Deontay Wilder, but he's not going to last in a boxing contest if they ever meet. Tell me I'm wrong, BC. Tell me what I'm. No, dude,
1: Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight of this era, and he is. If he stays on the path and continues to knock off the names, seriously, he's going to parachute into that top ten in a very high spot. Because find me another unbeaten six foot nine guy with that type of quickness. And he was down four times in three fights against Deontay Wilder. I mean, like, you know, had a a pull from the grave in round 12 of that first fight, Undertaker style, to shoot back up. Uh, We're going to talk about him maybe in the time is now in terms of what's next for Wilder. But you know how much I love Alexander Usyk, who's undisputed cruiserweight champion, now trying to do that at heavyweight. He's unbeaten. He's in the top five or six pound for pound. Some people have him number one right now. You can't tell me if he fights Wilder next or eventually that that's not must see TV every second for that how long that fight lasts because even if Usyk is dancing circles around him, Usyk's biggest problem is going to be that I don't think he has elite level you know recuperability in this division. We know he's not a heavyweight one punch knockout guy or even really a knockout guy in general. Dude, Usyk's going to be in danger even if he's up eleven rounds to zero in that fight. Look, I know Deontay Wilder, Like he can't avoid criticism. Maybe that's part of why that that statue moment was so emotional for him. And to his words, you know, finally receiving my flowers from people. Did he get a raw deal in some ways in terms of the the American pro sports landscape, which is so competitive? The U.S. never fully embraced Wilder when really they should have. In the times that they did, it was, okay, yeah, he's fun to watch, but man, this guy couldn't outbox, you know, insert, then whatever, whatever joke you want to make. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I mean, Luke, if I asked, if I told you that he's fighting Usyk in six months, you can't be confident for any single moment of that fight if you're Usyk. They don't have punchers like this throughout history. There's a reason why this guy Wilder's got 10 title defenses, which is fifth best all time. And, and, and you know, who has he not finished? Okay, Stiverne in the first title fight he had because he broke his right hand, but he still won it. And Tyson Fury, that's it. Everybody yeah. else ends look up looking Stiverne up at the lights.
0: Rematch too. What happened in the Stavern rematch? He went to the land of wind and ghosts quickly. Yes. Yeah, dude. Wilder is there is is. Um, by the way, like I don't know what would be more American than getting a late start, not being good at the fundamentals, but having so much power that it just overwhelms your foes. That's a very American way to fight. I have, I do say so myself. But truthfully, I think you're right. I mean, whether it's Andy Ruiz, whether it's Alexander Usyk. Whether it's Anthony Joshua or whoever they find for, to face this guy.
1: Joe Joyce, how about that? Joe how Joyce, about Joe whoever.
0: George at any point in time. And yes, those guys could put Fury, excuse me, those guys could put Wilder away because he had, does have some vulnerabilities. We saw Tyson Fury in the subsequent fights from the first one take the fight to Wilder and then get him away early, but of course, he had to court danger and everything else to do that. I'm only pointing he, out He's
1: also 6'9", bro. He's also 6'9". He's foot nine. also 6'9".
0: I understand. I'm simply pointing out, you know, we can't ignore Wilder's vulnerabilities by virtue of his power. But the story the story is, if you look at the history of Deontay Wilder's career, the story is really not the vulnerabilities. The story is people can't get out of the way of thunder and lightning. It's just too difficult to do, unless, as you articulated quite correctly, BC, you're a six foot nine freak, Tyson Fury, who's just godlike level abilities. Short of that, the Reaper is coming. He is coming for you, and that power is so destructive. He needs just that much of it to do unbelievable shit. It's, it's pretty impressive.
1: What do you say to people that go, ah, oh, this played up to the least. Like, you could argue it played up to the least, you know, of, of your expectations because it was over so quick and it made Hellenius look like a pile of crap. We know better to know that this could have happened in the 10th round as easily as it happened in the first, and Hellenius can do some things. Do you feel, I mean, like when Mike Tyson was in his prime you know, also when Ronda Rousey was in her early UFC, it's like you're paying for. You don't care who the opponent is. You don't care how quickly or how late it ends. You just you just have to see it. I th- you know we're still there with Wilder. I mean, can you? Is there an argument to make as a consumer that oh, Helenius was never that good to begin with? Uh, look at what happened. No. Uh
0: well, did we oversell Helenius? Make we the talked ca- about I'm the here, how, how about this? How about this? How about this? Let me let me pitch this to you this way. Tell me why we didn't oversell him. Tell me tell me why folks because now, by the way it should be noted afterwards uh, there they were friends You we saw Wilder break down the post-fight press conference which I do want to touch on a little bit but there was also a video of, the, of Wilder visiting Hellenius in his hotel room long after the fight was over and they embraced and he actually apologized to him and Helenius said something like don't be sorry I've been doing this for 25 years I think my time is up but yeah. um, you know there was there was a lot between them that could explain some of the matchup but did you answer this BC Tell me why we didn't oversell him.
1: Uh, look, because we were honest up front that Hellenius was at one point a failed, you know, kind of a bust in terms of he was looking like the future of the division 10 years ago. We brought up those two knockout losses, which, you know, in hindsight, but he had turned his career around to late. He was red hot. And I think Wilder said it to us in our pre-fight interview the best. It's like, yeah, I love this guy and I'm gifting him this opportunity. But once we step through those ropes, like the love's gone and this is what I do. And, you know, this, again, like if this had played out in the seventh round, would you been happier because you got more time for your money? Maybe, but. That's what, Very few guys can do that Wilder can I don't think it mattered to me I think Helenius was the perfect challenge Size wise and strength wise Where if Wilder Who had some legitimate questions to answer Anytime you're talking about retirement And then you flip it and come back There's always legitimate questions About where your want is And where it's at Okay this, this didn't turn out to be A long dragged out thing Where we got to see whether Wilder's gas tank is still there And his want because he's so freaking dangerous, okay. So like the so at the end of the day, Luke, it's like there were questions that could have been exposed if Wilder wasn't the same guy, but it's, it, for for you know uh, two minutes there, he kind of looked like the same guy again. So uh, I don't think we oversold it. That's sort of what happens when you're paying to watch somebody with frightening all-time great power. You know, it's Tyson Spinks. It happens. Okay, it happens.
0: All right. So that leads to the question. Uh, let's let's talk about the real world the real world, what is likely next for him? Is it Ruiz or is it Usyk or is it Joshua or is it something else? Lay out the realistic likely next opponent for Deontay Wilder.
1: All right. Uh, Tyson Fury has to be mentioned in this because I think he's the conductor in some ways of what's going to happen next. He was going to fight Derek Tresor a third time December 3rd. It's looked at rightfully so since he has two wins over the aging Dell boy as just a stay busy bring in a name that Fury seems to like a lot, give him his final payday, and get out of there. In some ways, not completely different from what Wilder just did against Hellenius, okay? That's why I don't think we oversold it. Because, yeah, it was Hellenius a setup for Wilder to look good against? Yes. Also, it could have been a, a, a trap fight, and it wasn't. But if Fury is just doing this stay busy to stay fresh and get ready for Alexander Usyk in the, you know, late winter, spring, whatever whenever they're going to do it, for all four belts, then given that Wilder and Andy Ruiz are both under the PBC banner and given that I don't know what Fox's TV future is with PFC with PBC after this year but Fox had been so invested in building slowly to this Wilder Ruiz fight is that a a a pay-per-view PBC would seek whether it was on Fox or Showtime I think so Luke I think there's money there I think there's action and fun there both former champions uh I think it would take Tyson Fury Purposely delaying or or outright saying I don't want this Usyk fight, which again would cause another whole you know debate and talk. I think at the end of the day, Fury is that fighting man. He's doing some shell game and bait and switching, but he wants to fight Usyk. He doesn't want to be able to steal his thunder. Wilder would have a chance to steal his thunder in a way if he went in there and upset Usyk. Fury's already beaten Wilder arguably three times. Would he care about that? No, I think Fury still wants to make the history that's available to him and take control of the spotlight. Give me Fury Usyk next year as the next fight for both of them if he gets by Chisora and give me Wilder Ruiz. It seems to make the most sense, but I think the most fun fight that is also the most important you can make right now actually would be sliding Usyk and Wilder together. Hmm. Just my take at the moment. Hmm.
0: All right. Yeah, my, my hunch and based on nothing other than just a hunch is that I think wilder Ruiz will happen next. But the Usyk one is interesting. It could happen. It certainly should. Um I also Joshua is such a it's such a wild card right now. I don't know what's gonna happen with him either. Right? There's
1: rumors that he might fight Otto Wallin, Anthony Joshua, in a in a comeback fight. What do you think about that?
0: Uh, uh old Voline I think is how you pronounce it again yeah uh, Otto Valen,
1: who who pushed Fury to the limit there with yes. that cut
0: yeah that, which by the way if it had happened in another jurisdiction that, that fight, fight could have been stopped and Voline could have won uh that's a decent fight Otto Valen's probably a little bit overmatched against uh, Joshua but it's competitive enough that I would care uh, it's not like but it's certainly not the preferred fight for him I I think that I would argue I mean I could certainly get by on it but and he probably does need a bit of a tune-up, right? So not that he's had time off, but to get his mind right, given how I think devastating the losses to Usyk were. But um, don't hate it, don't love it, but it's it's understandable, is what I, the way I would put it. Right? What so. matchups left
1: at heavyweight that we have not seen? What's the one fight you want to see the most? Or it could be another rematch. What, what's the what for you as the heavyweight fan here? You know, in this moment, in this second right now, I think I love matchup-wise Wilder, Usyk the best, but if I had to choose, look, I'm taking the history of Usyk Fury. Give it to me right now. Let me smear it on my face. What tugs at the heartstrings of heavyweight fan Luke Thomas?
0: So certainly Usyk Fury, for sure. Candidly, I go back to it again. Wilder Joshua. I really yeah. want to see that. I yeah. want to see what it's like What for two guys, both, you know, tall, big for the weight class. Obviously, Wilder is thin relatively speaking, but for a guy, one guy, phenomenal athlete and boxer can move the whole 9 yards, has an entire country behind him against a guy who's got not a, many of some of those same things, but has pretty good durability, which we saw, and, you know, a level of power which we won't see again anytime soon. How does that how does that pair up? I would really really love to see that one. That one would get me front row, for sure.
1: That could be a hell of a non-title pay-per-view if we end up going that route. I mean, imagine if Usyk Fury happens, but gets pushed off or needs a rematch or whatever, if Wilder gets past Joshua and then suddenly... uh, I'm sorry, Wilder gets past... uh, uh, Who are we talking about? Oh, uh, Andy Ruiz, and then suddenly Joshua's available. I mean, that's that's still an 80,000 soccer stadium without belts, right, Joshua and Wilder?
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that would be... For sure, that would do well. I mean, yeah, obviously in the UK, not so much here. But yes, yes, that would be enormous, enormous. But, you know, again, there's a lot of other permutations you could make that I wouldn't like as much, but I would still like to see a lot. And I'm glad – I will say this. We should say it. I am glad Deontay is back. I am glad yeah. Deontay Wilder is back. He is a fun addition to heavyweight boxing, and he's weird in his own way, and he's certainly unique, BC. But he, the division is better off for the fan experience anyway, when he's competing. Absolutely. It it, it it brings
1: back that feeling that anything can happen, right? That is always there in combat sports, but sometimes you get too many one-sided matchups in a row. You know, You get the point. He just cuts right through the heart of it. Nothing matters but that right hand, and if it can find you in 36 minutes. So it's as simple and elementary as possible to explain to people, and maybe that's why it's so fun to watch.
0: You see, the last thing I'll say on, uh, and, uh, excuse me, on Deontay Wilder would be that in the post-fight presser, I indicated he had broken down talking about what boxers go through. He was very emotional about having to hurt his friend, uh, Robert Hellenius, and again, they embrace later on, and I think it's all good. But I will say that like people were like you know giving him a lot of praise, which I, I want to as well. This is not an opportunity for me to slam Deontay Wilder. I'm not interested in doing that. But remember, in our interview with him, we asked him about a thing that he used to say all the time, which was... You know, I definitely want to catch a body. He he was he would openly say he wanted someone to die in the ring that he had killed by virtue of fighting them, which I always found very off-putting. And, I, and earlier in 2018 and 2019, I was giving him opportunities to walk it back, and he never did. We asked him about it pre-fight. He kind of distanced himself from it a little bit, and then you saw this. It seems like we're getting, in many ways, BC, the same old Deontay, which is a good thing, but in terms of the mental changes he has made, perhaps a much more mature and, I think compassionate Agreed. one, which I, I, I'm i happy to see, actually.
1: I am, too. And, and, you know, that same interview, if we had gone the route of, did you really believe all that stuff you said about Tyson Fury and Mark Breland? Then you could have come out of that interview based on his responses, feeling like nothing's changed. But I do agree on that specific topic. I always felt that was more Showmanship of, you know, I'm so nasty that, yeah, I'm trying to catch a body, which, you know, in this sport where unfortunately this does happen on, on on all levels on a regular basis, unfor- you know, it's just the reality of it. You hate to hear that. But look, there's also a lot of stuff said in boxing and MMA that we wouldn't accept elsewhere that we do because it, it is the fight game. So I never harp too much on it, but I, I do feel he's mature. I feel like, look, and anyone that goes through things on a very public level, which he has, you know, you have, to, you have to come out of that for the better or the worse. It is great to see him seemingly have his head on straight in the right spot uh, as he continues his career. He says he wants three years more. Well, there's plenty of fun matchups that we could fill for those three years, so let's see. Yeah,
0: knock on wood. Let's hope we get the a full three. All right, before we move on from this card, we stay with PBC Unboxing. How about old Caleb Plant, huh? Now, the fight was weird. Our... You know, they were tumbling on top of each other, and, you know, Durrell had a couple of big moments, and then a couple of the rounds were eh, but in the end, Caleb Plant, a one-punch knockout over uh, Anthony Durrell. BC, is it a case of Darrell being too old, or have we continued to ust- uh, underestimate Caleb Plant?
1: A little of all of the above, but but I don't put too much in. The, like, the reality is Durrell is older, for sure. And, you know, after this type of disastrous knockout loss, you do have to look in the mirror and say, how much do I have left? Should I be keeping on? But he was fresh off a knockout of the year contender his last fight. This was a big opportunity. It's not that he fought... Bad leading up to the knockout, it was just that it was somewhat of a grungy, gross, non-exciting fight. Both had the moments you kind of expected, but it wasn't consistent, and it was a very almost dirty fight. But how freaking shocking was this finish for Caleb Plant? I mean, look, it's extra shocking considering A, he's not a puncher. He's just not. He's a slick-ass boxer. B, there was a lot of... Of Trash Talk leading up to this a lot and that just happens in Caleb Plant fights and it seems like he's fueled by that. But that finish was go- as gorgeous as it was brutal and shocking. A left hook to the body and just as Darrell slipped his right arm down to try to block a follow up, he went back left hook upstairs, cleaned his clock F you, I mean, this is the ultimate fuck you knockout. It really is. Of course, you had the the sprinkles on top, whether you think it was too far or not, of his Tito Ortiz-inspired burial afterwards, uh, you know, which was either in really bad taste or, again, just part of the fight game. But Luke's, I think a lot of the fervor leading up was into this idea that Anthony Durrell may or may not have said somewhere publicly that he'll never lose to a white guy. And that did harken back to Bernard Hopkins saying the the same thing a decade and a half ago ahead of the Joe Calzaghe fight, which he lost. I'll give Anthony Durrell credit. He posted a video uh, overnight on Instagram that showed that he's okay. He gave Caleb all the love and respect and said, look, you got me, okay? Great punch, great performance, champ. But he also said, hey, fans, if you can find the video where I said that, I'll give you like 50 Gs right now. So, look, I don't know if he actually did. I heard that he did. But that seemed to play into this. There was no love lost between them. And old Darrell, the dog, uh, he got old Yellard in the end, Luke. It it is what it is, and it's shocking. It's shocking coming from, from Caleb Plant. I mean, but Luke, in terms of a bounce back, you set this question up talking about Darrell's age. How about Caleb Plant bouncing back from the Canelo loss with this right here? You know, money's coming. Money's coming after this performance.
0: Emphatic, emphatic win, really closing the show. I love it when Bad Blood, again, to me, may the best man win, whoever that is, but I like it when Bad Blood ends at a fight with a definitive, clear, no question about it conclusion, and that's exactly what you got here. I do think that Darrell's age played a role in it, but I also feel like, in terms of his durability, but he didn't see it coming. If you actually watch in slow motion, you see the left hook to the body, and then there's a counter, which never comes, but... Uh, Caleb Plant doesn't go one, two. He actually delays his timing. So he goes one, wait, and then he pops him. Dude, Darrell never saw it coming, yeah. which means he absorbed every ounce of it, and it shut his lights off. Dude, that was real good work from Caleb Plant. That was really and, solid work.
1: And while this wasn't, again, as we said, a great fight, both had moments. Like, look, Darrell landed some stiff sort of counter shots throughout, but overall, the work Plant's doing now with Steven. Breadman edwards as his new trainer his dad richie's still in the corner they got rid of the last guy justin whatever his name was but uh no disrespect there but you get my point um this seemed like on paper a good relationship and you saw some new nuances i mean again a guy that's not a puncher but luke he's pinpoint accurate he's got speed and when you can hit people with that type of combination late in a fight i mean did you like when he well let's start here luke You've seen the Tito Ortiz uh, impersonation a lot, but yeah. referee Harvey Dock wanted nothing to do with Caleb pouring yeah. the dirt the on top the of the dog. What the the referee
0: doing, dude? Get the fuck out of here with that. What is he doing? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Are you allowed I mean, as a re- I mean, I, I, as a referee, I do think you have some discretion over taunting or certainly any, you, you cannot interfere, for example, with any kind of medical personnel. That is a definite no-no. But, you know, everyone in boxing clutching their pearls. Listen, to me, Deontay saying at previously he doesn't say it anymore it seems like but previously saying he wanted to catch a body i found it very off-putting and i didn't like it but i didn't think he should be like fined for it i didn't think he should be have a point taken away i didn't think he should be anything other than like dissuaded from saying or even thinking those kinds of things Now, here, am I going to say that, like, this was a great display of sportsmanship from Caleb Plant? No, of course not. But, dude, Caleb Plant, if you guys aren't paying attention, he does have a fair amount of supporters. That dude has to eat a lot of shit all the time. For some reason, he's also a magnet for a lot of people who just doubt him and talk bad about him, including this opponent, including lots of people on the Internet and every other place. And this is not a sport where, necessarily, sportsmanship always reigns. Did I like the fact that he was doing the Gravedigger, a la Tito Ortiz? over Anthony Durrell just laying there like that? No, I didn't like it. Do I think the referee should be interfering in this kind of way? Get the fuck out of here, dude. These guys say mean things to each other. You don't yeah. have to like it, but you don't have to be so censorious about it either.
1: I bet, Look, I'm sure Harvey Doc just wanted to keep him away from the hurt body. I mean, look, if that escalated to, like, Caleb leaning over him and doing the DX chop while teabagging him, you're going to want to remove him from that yes, in that course. moment. But, you know, Masvidal was able to dive on the canvas next to Askren's fallen body and do a couple couple skits there. I mean, skits and bits, it happens. <laughs> um, Luke, after he did the gravedigger... Did you see Plant lean over the ropes, point to Jamal Charlo at ringside, and talk that shit, Luke? That no, got me. No, I did. I missed oh, that. He did that, huh? That that got me doing this while I was watching it. You know what I'm saying? Woohoo! Let's go! Let's go!
0: So we do. We could do Plant. Let's talk about it. We could do Plant versus Benavidez. We could do Plant versus Charlo. What is a likely next step for Caleb Plant? Because as you indicated, Darrell, not the biggest name. But uh, as emphatic a win as he could get, given oh, no. the circumstances. But
1: Darrell's still a name in boxing. It just comes down to whether you thought he was too old yeah, coming in. You know what in in I mean? Not
0: that. an in-prime name. That's not the For kind sure. of name that he is.
1: Former two-time champion, but not, a, not in his best anymore. Uh, look, the two fights to, to target toward, to, to, whether, you, whether they're next or you're building toward, sometimes uh, I don't think you'd, they'd need to build toward it. Plant's currently not a champion, doesn't have any mandatories lined up. It's either road. And, and let's hope the winners at face each other after that. But it's either let's go the direction of Benavitas, which is a tougher fight on paper for Caleb Plant than Jamal Charlo, who would be moving up in weight. But also there is a, you thought the buildup for Darrell versus Plant was rough. Dude, Plant hates the Benavitas brothers and father uh, way more. In fact, you go on YouTube after the show and type up their history, you'll see them almost get into brawls inside of gyms. A lot of trash talk going on back and forth. But, uh, you know, how about Jamal Jamal Charlo, who Luke is coming off not a great performance, although we found out afterwards that the guy he fought Juan Macyus Montiel is just a, I mean, a mule, a bull, whatever you want to call him. Not easy to handle that guy, although Carlos Adamas did. Uh Carlos Adamas wants Jamal Charlo. Charlo had been out for a bit with an injury. He was supposed to fight uh Machi Suletsky. It didn't happen. If he's gonna go up to 68, Luke, the time might be now. You know, the time might be now. And mm. him versus Caleb Plant would be a hell of a fight, but sometimes people covet belts or you know whatever more. I mean, look, everyone's in the same stable. PBC, let's make it happen. I don't, I don't doubt that we're going to see it. But this has just got to get you excited for the future. Either road that plant could take is 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 big money. Is fun. I, I, let's do it. Let's do it. because look, that's a that's a that's a grown ass man performance there from Caleb Plant to finish. It really like was.
0: That, that was that, he That was a great. It, and again, I want to be clear. Like he didn't have a whole lot for Canelo necessarily offensively. But he fought well in as much as one could given the circumstances, and th- but he lost. Obviously, he got finished in the eleventh, and then to come back and then have this kind of a win—that's a, a great, great comeback uh, opportunity there for Caleb. Plant, Would you sacrifice
1: Adamas Jermall to get Jermall and Caleb Plant on the same road to fighting yes. each other now?
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay.
1: Because yes. I don't want I don't want Carlos Adamas to miss his chance because he's he's coming on. Okay.
0: He certainly is. All right. Speaking of people who had standout weekends. How about the women of boxing? In many ways, they were the star of the, the show. I suppose Wilder took some of that. But here we go. Let's start with Clarissa Excuse me, Clarissa Shields. She gets a win over Savannah Marshall. But BC, she indicated, first of all, was split, I believe, right? No, maybe no, it was unanimous. No, no it, it was unanimous. Was... Sorry. Baumgartner and Michaela Mayer was split. It was unanimous. But, but it was very close. And Shields said afterwards that was the toughest fight of her career. What did she prove with this victory?
1: Everything. I know that some people are tough on Clarissa. They don't like her personality. They don't like that she's edgy or she has a chip on her shoulder. She called herself the quote after about two or three pro fights. But what has she done as a pro? Take on every challenge possible, move up and down in weight. This was against the only person, pro or amateur, that had beaten her. Marshall's been knocking people out left and right. So here's what Clarissa Shields decided to do in this fight, this grudge match, this historic first all-women's, you know, boxing card. Not boxed from the outside, not, you know, not feather fist. She stood in the lion's den against a bigger puncher, took some heavy shots, including that straight right hand in round two from Marshall. That if Shields was going to have a problem with her power, it was going to be on that shot. And Luke, whether it was sound strategy or not, stood in front of a bigger, taller puncher the whole fight and just outclassed her. Now, it wasn't one sided. This was not only a competitive fight. You had people online going, that's the best women's fight I've ever seen. I mean, I don't think it was better or even bigger than Taylor Serrano, but that's, you know, mm-hmm. apples and oranges. But it's it's it might be the second greatest women's fight we've seen in terms of stakes, both, you know, unification, both 12 and O2 arena rocking. And, Luke, Clarissa Shields won the weekend. I'm not lying. She stood at the strength of her opponent. And let's give Savannah Marshall some credit. She had Peter Fury in her corner, the uncle, of course, of Tyson and Huey Fury, the cousin, the former heavyweight contender, or maybe still in the corner. And I like the wrinkles Savannah Marshall has added to her game. She's able to use stance switching and shoulder movement to get off Mm -hmm. shots from weird ankles. But Shields was just better in those angles, And she didn't back away from the danger. She went toward it. No, at the end of the day, with two-minute rounds and 10-round fights in the current women's game, Clarissa Shield is not a knockout puncher. But she's also not boring. She's not safe. She went in there. I love the sportsmanship between them afterwards where Savannah said she is the greatest of all time. And, Luke, I think we really have to have this discussion. I mean, not maybe not a permanent discussion, but as much as we may get annoyed by the marketing of this quote thing, greatest woman of all time, Clarissa Shields has two Olympic gold medals. She has 13 pro fights. She's won titles in three divisions, and she's been the four-belt undisputed champion now three times. And it's not against... People you've never heard of, although in general, in her weight areas, she doesn't have the same access to super elite fighters that maybe Taylor and Serrano have at the moment, but she seeks out who's ever tough and whoever can bring it. And you're the undisputed champion now three separate times. You went in there and waxed Christina Hammer, who was unbeaten and a champion for a decade. And now you went in here against an even more dangerous foe, it turned out and you walked up to her porch and said let's do it right now on your terms if you want to put taylor or serrano right now at the moment pound for pound number 1 above her that's you know there's arguments to be made but clarissa shields is the best fighter in the world right now in women's boxing in my opinion and i actually don't think she's that far from this idea of quote becoming an actual reality because there there's not an ounce of smoke that she's not chasing down to try to get at this moment How the hell can you watch this fight, which was exciting as heck, and not come away twice as impressed as you were about Clarissa Shields in the beginning?
0: Yeah, the only knock, seriously, and I think I mean this, the only knock on her game is she just doesn't have the power. That really is the limiting factor in in what she offers. But to your point, dude, she is courageous in there. Now, I didn't love some of the tactical points in time where Marshall was backing her up and she was either against the ropes for too long... Or a couple times in the corner. But even then, she was finding shots to roll and then sneak in uppercuts or you know fire back and not let Marshall really take too much advantage of it. And in general, the strategy of trying to push into Marshall so she could kind of, in the words of Timothy Bradley, smother some of that power. Dude, that's not easy to do. That is very difficult. And she pulled it off even while having sort of a power disadvantage. And by the way, Marshall just looked a lot bigger than her, too, by the way. Like... Marshall looked like she was in a different weight class when they were finally there competing. Dude, I, I, I will give Clarissa Shields all the credit in the world. She dares to be great, and I'm not gonna say she's limited. She's a very talented boxer, but she doesn't rely on, you know, the kinds of things that, for example, Deontay Wilder is able to. I don't I don't begrudge him that either, but um, you know, she just gets it done with skill, daring, and and it seems like an incredible amount of determination. Where it puts her, BC, in the larger questions you're asking about greatest women of all time, currently pound for pound best, I don't really know. I don't have a clear sense of it. But this was, as she indicated, the toughest fight of her career. You could see she had to really dig deep to do what she wanted to do. And in the end, she did it with a very hard game plan to pull off. I think that was the part that was interesting to me. She wasn't jabbing and moving she was going into the power, not away from it. That is highly commendable.
1: She won every statistical category in this fight, according to CompuBox. But I think what stood out to me was, again, against a bigger puncher, she landed forty percent of her power shots. And Luke, you had people even like Ishe Smith, former world champion, on Twitter going, "Find me another fighter, male or female, that's a better combination puncher than Clarissa Shields." And mm. you know, while that does seem like a like a a, a large statement. Her, her, she is so sharp. I mean, you know, for for not having the power in a one punch variety, her shots are so crisp, on the money, shortest distance. And when she's able to to duck and come in and out and throw, show you those angles and throw combinations, man, there, there are very few in this game who look exactly like that. She and look at that corner at the moment right now, right? I mean, she's just it's just John David Jackson's in there. Uh, I mean, there, there's there's <coughs> she she's she's only getting better and she's only 27. She flirted with MMA had, you know, uh, she had okay success for, for day one, just walking over into it. But, uh, I think she's going to walk away as the quote. I really do. And if this ends up being her toughest performance, she, she passed this test with flying colors, got a little honor, but that's expected at this level. Uh, I got a lot of respect for what T-Rex did. Is that what, does she still go by that name? No, right?
0: No, I think it's a quote. Now, in fact, that's how they announced it. When they announced the decision, BC, would you like to see her continuing to try MMA?
1: Yes and no. Do I think it's the best use of her time and talents given how far ahead she is in boxing to the other short of that punching power as we mentioned? No. But it is it, I mean tell me you you're you're more the pure MMA guy than me. I find her MMA fights fascinating. Uh, not only in the in the in the daring nature of them but the way that she tries to compensate for for you know lack of true skills with just dogged determination, I think it's fun to watch if matched uh, soberly.
0: Yeah, like even in MMA, when she is in bad positions, she doesn't. She fights courageously there as well. Like she fights with determination to problem solve here and here. The way sort of to borrow from Caleb Planton in that way. She she's overmatched sometimes against a grappler, for example, but she doesn't like you always imagine a boxer being trying to be too safe. Like, for example, look at the way we had Demetrius Johnson. I wasn't there for it when you guys had him for room service diaries when it was you and Chuck. And he talked about how Rod Tang came out in the first round when it was striking and he was just, you know, all gusto. And the second round was a totally different ball game. Like shields, same energy, (laughs) same energy, no matter whether she is the favorite, whether it's boxing, whether she's the underdog, whether it's MMA, she fights with the same kind of courageousness everywhere. My answer to the question about whether she should try it is, you pointed out she's 27. I don't care which one she does, but she needs to pick one, and that's it. Because if she wants to keep going in boxing, I think she can. I think women's boxing is beginning to have something of a renaissance a little bit, or wherever you want to call it. Um, there are opportunities for her in MMA, but I do not want to see her go back and forth and back and forth. That's fun as like a one or two time. Hey, I, I'll go and check this out. That's not that's not really pursuing sustained greatness. And I would just like her to pick one and then go do that.
1: And well, maybe maybe there's going to be no need for the MMA side anymore. She just headlined the first all women's card. And it, it was presented Look, we'll see some of this and Have You Seen This Shit, but did you see the entrances that each woman had, Luke? No, I missed like the entrances. Oh, each woman came out with dancers and choreographed movements. I mean, it was rock and roll. I mean, look, first of all, the UK is amazing at that. We've seen that for Anthony Joshua fights, but it was just presented as big. Taylor Serrano just happened at MSG. I, I don't think, you know, Clarissa's going to need this anymore. But, uh, Luke, she's been through a lot in her life, and she, doesn't, she hasn't always told the full story. I don't know if you watched some of those pre-fight features about how she was you know, raped at five years old by a family member and was at odds with her mom for years for siding with the wrong person. Her dad was in jail until she was 10. I mean, she's been through it, grew up in Flint. That's, you know, in our country, that's about as hard as it gets. And and look where she is now. And look, you know, every other interview, she'll say shit that'll that's probably bound to get you upset. But she's um, true to herself. And I've always respected that. And then look at her now. I mean, this is this is greatness. We're watching it.
0: Now. For as great as that was, there was, uh, it was also great in the co main, but it was a different kind of fight and a surprising one, I think, for us. Both of us thought that Michaela Mayer was going to get the win. BC, you, you could maybe make a case that she did. I rewatched it today and I feel like the judges got it right. Alicia Baumgartner gets the split decision win over Michaela Mayer. So let me ask you first did the judges get it right? What can we say about Baumgartner's performance?
1: I think the fight was a draw. That's how I had it. I also mm. tweeted out if you had it six four, six rounds to four in either direction, I would have been fine with that. There was one judge that had it, what, seven rounds to three for mayor that, that a lot of people didn't really love. Yeah, but here's insane. the deal at the end of the day um, Was this fight fun to watch? To a degree, yes. I think both left a little on the table, though. Meaning, in the second half of this fight, when there was an opportunity potential, I know they were very evenly matched, so maybe that's part of it. But I felt like neither one seized the moment. And by the way, I love—I got a couple things to say here. Okay, first, let's start with Tim Bradley. I've, I love who Tim Bradley is becoming fully as an announcer. He's honest. He tells the truth, whether it's against the, you know, against the sort of narrative of the network at the time. I will say ESPN's got things to fix regarding both of their fight cards, the Haney and this one, because of having announcers in different countries, that delay, Christina Poncher, who was the female play-by-play uh, announcer for this uh, Shields and Baumgartner yeah, card. Yeah,
0: like, like us right now, they kept stepping on each other. It was awful.
1: And she, w- she was tweeting out during the fight that they've got a five-second delay because Ward's doing it from his house, Bradley's doing it from his house, Kriegel's doing it from his house. That was clunky, and it made this look amateur. Second, Separate from that, I thought Tim Bradley kind of summed it up best, and I agree with him. It's like neither fighter— I don't want to say neither fighter deserved to win this. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying neither fighter left no doubt. So at the end of the mm. day, it is up to the judges. It's either a draw or one of them wins closely. But let's give Alicia Baumgartner credit— for coming out with her hands on top. Something we didn't talk about leading into this fight, Lucas, she wasn't really supposed to be in this fight. She had upset Terry Harper and was somewhat an unknown and had leaped into that, you know, through the screen and that night on TV and, and made her statement. In some ways, she did that against Mayer here. Luke, even though the better moments for Baumgartner came early, the fact that she was able to, in some ways, disarm Michaela for long stretches... By being so athletic and dangerous and finding a home for that looping right hand, which had some pop on it. Look, they both had ebbs and flows where either one took control. But I think she established something early. And in the women's game with 10 rounds, two-minute rounds, you've got to establish something or you could risk losing, You know, even if you thought you won. I think she established enough danger early and then was competitive enough late where her getting her hand raised, Nothing really wrong you can say about it. This was another breakthrough gutsy performance from Bongartner, who's got an infectious personality. I mean, look, she had some kind of boxing trunks we've never seen, I don't think, before on a male or female. I mean, it was that was that was that was a little aggressive there, Luke. But uh she she has like this star value to her. You gotta win to make it matter. She's winning. It's it's mattering now.
0: I thought she won. I thought Baumgartner won. I thought that Michaela had like a good round four. So uh, uh, some other rounds through the middle, maybe like round eight or something like that. But the speed of Bumgarner, the power punching and just the trap she was setting every time uh, Mayer was trying to get on the inside, she was just kind of overwhelming her and flurrying her. And and Mayer just didn't seem to have a great answer. If you look at the numbers, BC, the big difference is that Mayer landed a lot more jabs and that Bumgarner landed a lot more power punches. I'm not here to say that that, that that means that the person who throws power punches should always win. They obviously can be very situationally dependent. But in this case, I actually do. I actually do think that, and it was like double digits more. I think like 20 or 30 more, as a matter of fact. So for me, it just seems like she was doing the more damaging work all the way, not all the way, the the majority of the way through. Although to your point, I don't really disagree with the larger message, which was did she affirmatively say that, you know, I'm the the queen bee, so to speak, with these three belts on the line. No, I didn't see that necessarily. And which is weird, by the way, BC, because she, she poo-pooed talk of a rematch, did she not? Oh,
1: yeah. So all that, here's what's interesting. That was the sauciest of buildups in terms of hatred, and it got us all super excited. The fight didn't didn't at all look like the buildup. In fact, they were both, as Tim Bradley was saying, give him credit again, they were fighting very professional. They put all the crap behind them. But even though they were cordial to each other afterwards, I kind of like seeing that Spice come back in Baumgartner, who was like, wait, you know, I, Baumgartner first, before we talk about Katie Taylor, she does want to unify completely. There's another belt holder here at 130 pounds. She wants to become undisputed first. I almost kind of liked her her spiting knowing that, you know, there's a good chance she could see Mayer again and it would be maybe a bigger deal if you wait a little bit and let them both go their separate paths. But, Luke, I wanted to close talking about Baumgartner by bringing up the CompuBox numbers. Again, they don't always tell the story, but they certainly can be helpful in, in building your argument and sustaining it. Even though we looked at this as Mayer the boxer versus Alicia the power puncher, Baumgartner did outland Mayer overall. 116 to 104, she landed a better percentage of her punches. And she landed forty percent of her power shots, so Mm. she really did do it across the board. Uh, I mean, is it is there anything negative in me saying neither fighter, you know, fully seized the day? Uh, Is that was that more due to how competitive they were, Luke, or do you feel like maybe they both held back a little bit too much?
0: I, you know, I don't really like the holding back argument. If you have to fight technically, because if you don't, you'll lose what the fuck are you supposed to do like if you there yeah. was not a lot of room for error for either opponent in this way in the way in which they matched up and i think they realized that after a couple rounds in like you know you're going to have to be very very careful if this fight's going to get away from you even though the fights are especially as you indicated with the fights being 2 minute rounds like you yeah can't that really so that's, around.
1: that should actually be our, be the answer to this question at the end like we're already well past the day about complaining about why this is still a thing but this actually prevented this fight from really telling us who won which again you know maybe that's why you, you you started this this part of the conversation by teeing up should she want a rematch should there be a rematch if you want to argue that there should be you're going to use the 10 minute the 10 rounds two minutes because we didn't really fully get the answers to all the questions that's for sure
0: yes that that is in, indisputable indisputable we certainly did not and again i think you can make a case for mayor it's not like i'm just saying i agreed with the judges Noting full well that it was very very competitive all the way through, and that oh, by the way, I'll say this: at first, I was like, "Oh, she's not going to give a rematch. That sucks." But then I was like, "You know what, man? Fuck all these rematches. Go do something else. <laughs> Go do something else." I I agree. Like if you're if you guys are or if you ladies are exactly who you say you are, and certainly Baumgartner is is um, you know the preeminent talent in this weight class at the present moment, Mayor will find her down the line. Make it down the line. Do it a different yeah. time. I don't need to see it right now. Which by the way, BC. Leads me to point number five, if we can. Speaking well, I don't of- can,
1: hold on. Before you go there, Luke, give me ten yeah. seconds of your time. Humor okay, okay. me go with ahead. this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do either of these women, Michaela Mayer or Alicia Baumgartner, if they move up to one thirty-five and enter the Katie Taylor conversation, are they a threat to Katie Taylor or or Amanda Serrano? Uh, either one. Are they? You know, we consider Taylor Serrano along with Shields at a level above the others in the in the pound for pound. Although Sinisa Estrada, I'll give her my respect for sure. Do you think either of these fighters can give an aging? Oh, Katie Taylor, I think it's like 36, right? Can She's they give now. her trouble?
0: I'll say this. Gun to my head, I would not pick either of them over Katie Taylor. I would pick Katie Taylor to win. But I'd be interested in seeing them. I'd be because again, I thought I thought Mayer was gonna win. I thought she was gonna win somewhat comfortably. Nope. Nope. Still, I it would be weird of me to not give Katie Taylor the benefit of the, more than just the benefit of the doubt, the confidence in her abilities and what she has shown. But I would like to see it. I would like to see it. Serrano, I actually think, is a worse matchup for both of them. Um You might be right.
1: Enough. Isn't this crazy that Serrano's Compiling belts right now at 126. These ladies were at 130. Taylor's at 135. We already know Serrano's won titles in almost every division that she can make weight for. You know, more decorated in some ways than even Manny Pacquiao. I mean, that'll that'll probably never get her the respect it actually deserves. But like, she fought at one eighteen, and then four months later fought at you know one thirty five, and then six months later came back. I mean, she's like, this is I guess what you have to do if you want to be great. While the women's boxing side is this fledgling right now at the moment, I mean, they've got momentum, they're building, right? We're we're getting we're getting we're getting to a better place. To be fair, than even the Leila Ali and Wolf Christie Martin era era that that era had, you know, some pay per view kind of attention grabbing stuff but this era has better more evolved fighters what serrano has done to get to get her greatness it's remarkable seriously i mean it's stupid i I agree with
0: that yeah completely all right but speaking of just utterly unnecessary rematches bc i checked to see what was trending on youtube in the united states now again people think that that will just naturally organize around your preferences it does not it is geo located so it's different for what's trending in the UK versus the United States. Think of it as top 40. Your top 40 chart here is not going to be the same as your top 40 chart there, but it's not individually changed. So I look at I looked at the uh, trending videos. Uh, of all the sports events, combat sports related over the weekend, there was a video for Wilder that trended. There was a video for Caleb Plant that trended. And I think there may have been one for Clarissa Shields. There was nothing for Devin Haney, despite the fact that he ran over old George Cambosis, better this time than he did the first time. BC, did we learn anything from this utterly unnecessary fight?
1: We learned very little. Was it utterly unnecessary? Yes. This turned out to be the the, the tax that Haney had to pay to gain control of his career, to move as a free agent from the Zone in matchroom to ESPN in top rank. Because Cambosis was the power player coming off the Teofimo fight. We get it. He had to sign this. He's got one fight left on his top-ranked deal now. But it's weird. We weren't excited about this fight at all. At some points, this fight was competing with fights on other cards. You had to have two screens up. And this was an even wider and almost, in some you know, on paper, easier win for Haney than, this, than, this, than their first meeting. And the scores were wide this time around. Yet this fight was way more fun to watch than the first one. Cambosis, you know, was it effective for him to constantly switch stances and try all this wild shit? No. But I give him credit for saying, I got to do something different because if I try to box this guy, I'm getting handled. If I rush this guy recklessly, I'm probably getting knocked out. He did find an in-between where he was able to get inside on Haney at times land shots. Was it enough to make an imprint on the scorecards? No. Was it enough to make this rematch viable or necessary? No. But I do give him credit for saving face the best he could. He gave Haney the toughest fight he was physically capable of. Would you agree that was more entertaining than the first, or did you just poo-poo this so badly you missed that, Luke? Because I almost missed it. I almost did. There there are times I'm, you know?
0: Yeah, I'll acknowledge it was a better fight than the first one, but the problem was, like... Okay, the problem with that is that the first fight was boring as shit. Like, Haney was just jabbing and clinching, and again, masterfully. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, he was just, you know, phoning it in. He was not phoning it in, but he had a certain thing that was working for him, and he just wrote it out for the full 12 rounds, and Cambosis either didn't want to do more or just elected not to or just couldn't either way, and so the fight just ended up being what it was. So the fact that it was better than the first one is, is true, but to me, like, also just fucking irrelevant man cambosis was just out of his depth like majorly of out of his depth. yes and this was not a fight that should have happened or needed to happen and i fucking hated it to be honest well i said,
1: okay it. Uh, hate is a strong word I, I said we learned very little here's what i did learn about haney who remarkably is still just 23 years old if you don't know the backstory he turned pro at 17 and was fighting in mexico i mean like this just been they knew from the jump that this guy was special the first fight was boring because he made it boring Largely by using his jab and, as you mentioned, the, the timed clinches. This time around, he felt, Devin felt, while strategizing with his dad, that the right hand was going to be there for him based on how they expected Cambosis to attack. Luke, that looping counter right hand was money, all fight. And and even deeper, when Cambosis did cross that line and make this fight an actual fight, Haney's one-two was perfect. I mean, that was sweet perfection. So here's what I want to say about Devin Haney. I think he's, he deserves the pound-for-pound pound recognition right now. And while with one fight left on his top-ranking ESPN deal, it does appear like the fight to make would be him against Vasily Lomachenko if Lomachenko gets past his his comeback-get-well fight against Jermaine Ortiz, which, you know, could be, who knows, we'll see. Haney, Haney Lomachenko, good God, the old guard against the new, of course your boy BC's going to be fired up. But this level of maturity and this performance again from Haney, do you know what it has me really wanting? Mm. Devin Haney tank Davis right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I don't want Tank Davis Ryan Garcia something bad. I do. I hope there's a way that I mean there is a way that fight could be made by the way. I hope that that we could get there. Knowing boxing business practices probably not right now. We'll see what happens. But if we could put networks in promoters to the side for a second which we rarely get to do in boxing so shout out to the women by the way for making that happen regardless of affiliation tell me right now devin haney versus tank davis for all four belts at lightweight might not be one of the most important fights you can make right now in boxing 23 years old against 27 years old both unbeaten both pound for pound respected both have titles in and around this weight class obviously haney has the four real ones that truly matter but tank davis is the star of this division and in some ways, the uncrowned king, right? He doesn't have the belts, but boy, does he have skills and talent and danger. These two against each other for the pure boxing fan might be as good as it gets right now. Look, tell me, tell me I'm crazy. We want Spence Crawford. We want these wish list items. I think this just became even more than Lomachenko, Ron Garcia, even more than my boy Shakur, who's gonna have his stay, his say against all these guys if 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 you know if we get what we deserve in boxing. Tomorrow, Haney versus Tank. Dude, I don't know what that fight looks like. I have no freaking idea. I, I I need to know. I need this. Give it to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love the idea, but like I don't take it seriously as a meaningful next step for I or I should say uh, an a possible next step for either of them. No, it's no no. Like they're not going to make that fight. They're not. I mean,
1: look, 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 fight. to be fair, for for Tank versus Ryan Garcia to happen in the near future, it would involve people that don't want to work together to work together. Yes. Is there a chance in the bullshit world of boxing politics that it's easier? So basically, here's what I'm saying. If you're Bob Aram and ESPN, you're looking at what's available. We got one fight left with Haney. Will we resign him? We don't know. Of course, they want to go in-house fight, put him against Vasily. But do you think there will be any conversations after this fight, at least a conversation with the power brokers about that idea of Haney versus Tank? Because it would matter so much more than those other eye-catching matchups.
0: Sure, there might be some outreach. I just don't take it seriously that we should in any way get our hopes up or plan around it whatsoever. Not not right now, not right
1: now. All right, no. then, then indulge my fascination one more time by closing with this. Do you lean either way in that matchup based on two fights from Haney now against Cambosis in defense of these titles?
0: I would lean Haney. I would lean Haney, I think. Um, I think the fact that Haney has been, not that like Cambosis is like, He's he's a tough challenge, but he's not like he's like the cream of the crop of the division. But you know, going to Australia into hostile territory, looking for the smoke in the way that he has, I think that's probably prepared him for a big moment like this. Now, Tank's been on pay per view and stuff, but I don't know, man. Like fighting the Rolly Romero's and the Mario Barrios of the world, even up at 140, it's like again, it's not that means it's saying it's not difficult. It's it's difficult, but I I don't know. I feel like and Haney has like a style that you can scale. For 12 rounds a little bit easier whereas uh gervonta needs like, these moments of inspiration yeah i would i would probably pick haney mm-hmm.
1: wow uh, i don't know how long, much longer haney can make 135 he looked like a zombie
0: yeah on that's that scale that's on the, the issue he looked sucked out on the scale yeah. that that to me is the part where i'm like uh and he's 23 like there's no way he fights much longer in this weight class that i do think is real but agreed we'll have to see how it goes all right bc i want to remind everyone we got a new sponsor again they're back in the house bc you. This is UFC 280 Fight Week, and you can get closer to the octagon with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Right now, BC, here's how it works. New customers can bet $5 on UFC 280 and get $200 in free bets if your fighter Damn. wins. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook, today is the day, right?
1: Yeah, this this would be the day. This week would be the time. UFC 280 is as stacked a pay-per-view card in recent memory as we've had. This is the goods right here. It's going to go down in Abu Dhabi this Saturday. I mean, if you just had the main event on that card, the lightweight title bout, former champ Charles Oliveira, up-and-coming potential future champion Islam Mahachev, there's enough to get you fired enough and enough to bet about on that fight alone, but... We've got TJ Dillashaw against Aljamain Sterling for the Bantamweight title. We've got got a Sean Brady, Bala Muhammad. Remember that fight? That's not even on the pay-per-view card because this card is so stacked. So much to be focusing on. You want to get more action? You can double your winnings on DraftKings with the same-game parlay, putting multiple fights together. You can play with the stipulations, when the fight's going to end. This is fun, and it's so easy. Just download that DraftKings app today, Luke.
0: Yeah, this is, this is super simple. So as BC indicated, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. You can see it on the screen here if you're watching on YouTube. Use the promo code COMBAT. That's COMBAT with a K. You throw down $5 on UFC 280, you get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. That's code COMBAT. Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. And of course, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. But as you also indicated, BC, tons of good bets you can make. That whole, whole card is super stacked fun fights either way parlays to go either way you could go sugar sean you could go you could go tj dillashaw you could do a parlay between them whatever you want here's my
1: two cents okay you want to make money saturday take that free 200 put it all on sean o'malley to win it's up to you by the way you guys
0: by the way, if you want more information about 280, how about our UFC 280 pregame preview with Chuck Mindenhall? That's up now as well on the old YouTube. All right,
1: I'm not trying to hold this show up anymore, but I got something to say about that. Shout out to DraftKings. We love you, baby. All right, there it is. Luke, people can go to YouTube.com right now slash Morning Combat and check out our fantastic real talk, right? Like only men do. Pregame preview, Chuck Mindenhall, BCLT. Luke, I'm going to make a statement that you're not ready to hear. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I just said you're not ready to hear it, but get ready anyway.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Brian Campbell, Luke Thomas, and Chuck Mindenhall, maybe not in that order. This is not only MMA's new A-team. It's the all-time greatest team that's ever been put together. And I know that's going to hit people pretty hard. There's going to be a few people that aren't going to be ready to hear that. Maybe you too, Luke, because you've had other dance partners and you've made magic with them. But the spice, the explosiveness... The back and forth, the creativity, the passion that's shown between BC, LT, and Sir Chuck. You just can't find that in MMA then, now, or maybe forever. You you can like us or not like us, but sit down and enjoy because this is the best thing going today. Woo! Your new MMA team. You're fucking looking at us.
0: Okay, with that in mind, it's time for DMs from dogs. Let's get to it. We, got, we, got, we put up a post on Instagram every Sunday. You guys fill it up. The producers pick the questions, and then we answer them. All right, from Flannels and Jits. Is Islam versus Oliveira actually a better version of what Tony versus Habib could have been? Yeah, actually, there's a. Well, we, it's hard to say until we see the fight, but. Um, that's a
1: great question, right? Even if it's not it, true, it is that's possible. A great yes,
0: it is possible that that could happen, sure.
1: Would you say that that main event is the fight you are most excited about on Saturday's loaded card, or is there another?
0: It's the one I'm most excited about. Yeah, I, okay. sometimes I try to be hipster about it and pick another fight on the card, but no, the main event is the crown jewel, for sure.
1: Aljo TJ is, you You could make the hipster argument. You could, right?
0: That's a phenomenal fight. I wouldn't begrudge someone who went that way, but I just don't think that's as interesting as this one.
1: Right, no. I think if you took the belts off, this 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 is just a better matchup here, Charles against Islam. So let's do it, let's do it. Did you see them walk back past each other in the hotel, Luke, in the last 24 hours? And, no, and I didn't. It, I- so Charles was sitting with his back to the group. Islam walked by and just, you know, barely looked at him and was like, I'm ready to fight right now face, which in some ways is the default, you know, holy hammer way to do it, Luke. Okay. Oh, that, that hashtag, that's, that's, that's going to catch on, right? I, I mean, holy hammer. Not. Holy hammer. Could you imagine some MK merch with hashtag holy hammer across the chest?
0: Yeah. All right. Right, right over the crotch, you mean? Yeah,
1: right over the Christian Daguerreau spot, right? Yeah, well we're we watching you. Shout out to that guy, okay? Yeah, indeed.
0: Um, here's the thing. It could be better because Tony is wild and unorthodox in ways that Charles is not. Charles can be aggressive and offensive, but he's not as wild. And if you go back and you watch like the Kevin Lee fights, like all the different guard entries he has and the leg entanglements that he uses, he's got that in just a way that Tony doesn't, so for that reason it could be better. But... I don't know. We'll have to see. Is Islam going to be the dominant takedown ground-and-pound force that Habib was, relatively speaking? I don't know what the answer to that is either. So obviously we didn't see any Tony versus Habib, but we would have had some idea that Habib would have have gone to the floor, and I do think Habib would have controlled him um, mostly. So we'll have to see how this one goes. We'll have to see. Yeah, I mean,
1: just in comparison, Habib's probably better than Islam, but Charlie's probably better than Ferguson,
0: right? That's right. That's correct. I think that's exactly well stated. Yes. All right. From Checos 9750 worst name ever. Bella is training with Habib team. Do you think that's going to have any impact on the fight? It with should be Shawn Bilal,
1: Brady? bro. It should be Bilal. If you, they, okay. Well, we the, the,
0: okay. It. They fixed it, but on the one that I'm reading, it says Bella. I'm not doing a bit. It says Bella. I'm just reading it as it is. Do we think that's going to have any impact in the fight with Sean Brady? Thanks for the show. What do you think? Thank for the show.
1: Okay, so what you're saying is that Bilal Muhammad will have Habib in his corner. Yeah, I'm wondering what this looks like, because if you're Bilal Muhammad and you're looking at Sean Brady, the challenge is keeping your back off the canvas. This guy is an explosive, aggressive wrestler who forces middle-aged white guys to tat themselves up if they score big wins, apparently, Luke. So, yes, I am wondering to see how this time in this camp... No, it's potentially one camp or or one fight with a guy in the corner, but look at the success... Henry Cejudo has had as an example from joining an already established team ahead of a big fight. And whether it was, you know, although in a losing effort effort the first time, Jung Wei Li looked like there was more to what's going on there against Rose that second time. Same thing with Figueiredo upsetting Moreno in their third meeting, excuse me. So, yeah, I I am interested to see, um, you know, if you're telling me this guy trained wrestling with Habib leading up to this fight... Let's see. Show me the Putin, right? Let's see the proof. I I actually
0: do think it will make a difference. Um, Hard to say exactly how much this far out, but from the preparation standpoint to like, I I, I watched a bunch of Habib tutorials over the years, and one thing I've noticed is he just has a very clear sense for like what works and what doesn't and why, and he makes sure guys just stick to the shit that works, just do the high percentage stuff, just get really good at the high percentage stuff, and get good at some high percentage stuff that other people are not good at in terms of defense, and just go with it. And I think that kind of orientation, if it, if, if in terms of prep and then guidance during the middle of the fight, that seems like it could be quite beneficial, actually. So we'll have to see, but I do think it will make a difference. All
1: is, right, is Hasbula going to be in Mahachev's corner, or is that a rumor? I mean, dude,
0: uh, <laughs> all right, sorry, look, sorry. I mean, who cares? I mean, honestly, all who right. gives a shit? I didn't mean to offend you. It's not offending me. It's just like, are we going to have, we're going to devote time to that? I mean, really? All right. From at Joey dousing, Joey dousing. How the fuck you say that? The pay-per-view portion of the Abu Dhabi card starts at 2 PM Eastern and the prelims obviously air even earlier. Do you think this will have any impact on sales in America? Yes, of course. It's great for us in the UK as for once, I don't have to stay up all night. Yes, of course it does. The UFC is usually very reluctant to put pay-per-views on at this time. Uh, for that very reason. They will make exceptions for it when there are other economic uh factors they can use to balance it out. Um, but yes, it will absolutely hurt. I'd sales. love
1: I'd love to see the site fee that they get, right? I love to see oh, that yeah. number. What's that fat ass number they get? And it's not just them. I mean, Eddie Hearn took Joshua Ruiz two to to, you know, the same area and Joshua got eighty million to show up for that rematch. I mean, they've that site fee must be sick,
0: bro. Yeah. They're probably going to make up whatever the difference is. So, yes, it will hurt sales. I don't know that it will hurt the bottom line when it's all said and done, but for sure. This is also, I, I, I lived through the UFC briefly, putting their pay-per-view start times back at 9 p.m. They experimented with it for a couple of them or whatever it was. And then they went right back to 10 because I think they, they were thinking, well, you know what? We want to start at an earlier time, but that fucks with the West Coast audience, which is a massive audience. And so they said, ah, just go back to 10 and the East Coast folks can S a D. All right, at Von Beckel, Beckal, who's better on the barbecue, BC or LT? Now, what does he mean, BC, when he says I who's think he means, better on the barbecue?
1: I think he means on the grill. You know, cause cause look, like there's some great male chefs out there, of course. I'm one of those old school males who just can't cook worth a lick, but it's still considered that, you know, if you're a guy, even if you have no skills in that area, even if you're not Chef Kaz, right? You should be able to handle it yourself on the grill. So here's what I'll say about myself without knowing you, but I'm going to guess because you're more cultured that you have more skills. I can't cook for shit, but I'm very competent on the grill. Can I Can I make it dynamic and add a touch or or do like all the prep work? No, my wife does that. I am a competent grill provider, but I don't think I add anything much outside of replacement level. I enjoy being out there with a the drink and the stereo pumping, um, I think if I do one thing good, Luke, I'm very good. At, even though my liver can't take it anymore, at finding that balance with beef, between red death, too much blood, and the perfect amount of juice in it, right? You know, I, I can, I can, I can live on that line. I could give you a juicy, balls out burger without you fearing that that you know, that it's yeah, that it's the opening scene in Carrie or whatever. But um, I'm gonna guess that you're a better cook than me. That you're a better barbecuer than me. Mm. That you have more ideas and nuances to step up your game, unless you lean on Colombian women, and I'm okay if that's the, if that's the path you go. all right?
0: No, I, again, I'm not going to sit here and claim I'm some grill master either. That's really not the case. I certainly know how to cook a steak pretty well. Um, you know, the standard fare: burgers, kielbasa, um, even some. I've done some barbecue chicken that which I did the marinade for as well. I've done that, and it came out pretty well. Smoked them up a little bit. But I'm not some, like, I had a grill, B.C., and then I had a house fire in, like, 2018 or 2019. I can't remember anymore. And um, the house fire ate up my grill. I had a really nice grill, and it ate the whole thing. And I how just much never of your house did
1: how, wow, Wow. Wait, you haven't been grilling four years? What the hell's wrong with you? What happened no, to your house? so what I don't I've done this. is
0: I've done cast iron grilling. That's what I've been switching over to because I don't have the grill outside. I've been doing stuff in the cast iron. So, for example, like, getting filet mignon, buttering it up, constantly turning the butter on top, and then, you know... Putting a little bit in the oven and taking it out, that kind of a thing. So that's what Wait, I've been doing.
1: I have so many questions because first of all, Brandon Wise of CBS Sports will tell us both that if you're not cooking over charcoal, you're not a real man. And while I don't disagree with the spirit of that, Luke, I can't. I, I, charcoal's really tough to manage, dude. It's like a three-year-old well, daughter, so right? Gas? I mean, it's just yeah. I, I do a regular manly Weber grill like everybody else. But my yeah, whole but point also, is here's
0: the other thing. I mean, I don't know what kind of charcoal that Brandon Wise uses. But if you just use like the Kingsford and then you put lighter fluid on top, you're Dub I just want to be very clear about that. Like,
1: <laughs> oh, you're, wise you're man. You're trash. Take that, wise. Take, take that, South Florida. Uh, I did want to ask you about that fire. I don't know about this fire. What happened? Are you all right? Are
0: you good? Yeah, yeah. We had a house fire. We don't even know the cause of it. We're not too sure. And it burned up like I'm facing the back of my house this way. It burned up my deck and it burned up the whole back of the house. And uh, luckily, I have great insurance. And so everything was was paid Were for. Were you home? I lost a lot of stuff. Were you home? No, I was actually just about to go on air in New York City, and I got a call from, I was at SiriusXM, and I got a call from my wife being like, so we've had a house fire. That's so scary. uh, She was like, everyone's okay, this is pre-Tookie, and um, the the dogs got out, we had a cat at the time, the cat was able to get, we put him in another house, but uh, the whole shit was completely torched, so yeah, it sucked, I had to come right home, it sucked, it sucked. Uh, I would, first
1: place I would check is, you know that homeless guy who used to beg you to lift weights with you, it was his dream in the front yard?
0: Yeah, he yelled at me the other day.
1: Yeah, that's why you, you give those guys whatever they want so they don't burn your house down when you're in New York, Look, Everybody knows that. It's like rule number one. Don't accept a CD in Brooklyn on the street, right? No eye contact, ever, anywhere else. And, and you know, give the homeless guy who wants to lift with you, give him his dream, Luke.
0: Yeah, no, that dude yelled at me the other day. He came up asking me for money. I didn't have any, and he uh, he lost his shit, so. He's like,
1: fuck your mama.
0: Yeah, yeah, that he actually told me, to, he told me to go fuck myself. I was like, okay, well, you're the one asking for money, so um all right.
1: and by the way i probably will later on anyway so take that yeah, off. Oh, yeah.
0: yes i have a cell phone with internet access don't <laughs> mind if i do uh all right from at CLP film hey king donks here we go with a, again with a halloween season question what is your favorite and least favorite candy this is controversial I bet BC picked something low t like Junior <laughs> Mints or Laffy Taffy. Dude,
1: Laffy Luke, Taffy is my movie theater go-to. That cherry you're such stick is the best.
0: I was like, "No, Luke probably loves it. It sounds like it can be said with an accent." Much love. Yeah, that's probably true. All right, I bet let's you start, like Toblerone. Let's start first. Favorite candy for Halloween. Favorite. All
1: right. Okay, there are two categories in candy, of course, chocolate-based and fruit-based. Luke, you you agree with that,
0: right? Largely, yes. They're not they're not independent of one another, but yes.
1: The greatest candy bar is Fast Break.
0: I mean, you're just just so fucking wrong with this. It's just like,
1: it it is just drugs inside of an orange wrapper. It is just (laughs) mind-blowing. You can get blown. Second of all. You can get blown. BC is right here, says Mikey. Thank you, Mikey. I love that.
0: Yeah, Mikey, who I'm sure is sober right now. I'm sure he's very sober.
1: Uh, On the fruit side, Luke, (laughs) you got to go Mambas. And I know that's going to be controversial. There was a, a you know a mad cow disease outbreak related to these at some point in the 90s but i yeah, will why tell you this, get more
0: communicable diseases when you eat candy fuck face
1: the the gnarlier the gas station you go to the more likely that they will not only have mambas but now sour and tropical mambas which have just changed the game those are my two on each side of the, the battle lines my go-to all right, all right. go ahead. this is very
0: easy on the chocolate side and anyone who says otherwise is a peasant undeserving of your attention all right the number one, the king of all chocolate Halloween candies, is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Go fuck your mom! Right. I don't. Give I mean, a I, can,
1: shit. I can't, can't argue. <laughs> Dude, I can't argue that. That's one of those things I can't argue against because that it's, is just yeah. It's, that's,
0: it's it's not as like it's a, it's a little conventional in how I am presenting it. I understand
1: it's a little boring the way you're you're slinging that, but but, but you're the also chocolate you might not be wrong. and the peanut yeah. butter
0: together and the way in which they present it with that little wrapper you have to peel off the ends and then you can eat. I mean, it's just it's it's your number one seed. Fuck your mama! All right, that's the first thing I would say. Okay. Uh, for the non-steadily uh, chocolate-based, I don't have as strong an opinion on this one. I don't, guess I, I usually avoid eating them all together. I will say though that I am as like, you know what? I don't have as good a choice as yours. What I'll say, what I do, is to offset some of that chocolate. I, I'm a Starburst kind of guy. I like the Starburst. Hell I like the yeah. offset with the Starburst. It's all right, conventional. Are you going? T-
1: you're not going traditional yellow so wrapper star. So Mikey oh,
0: says sour patch watermelon kids. Okay, I do, dude, Mikey I do like those as well. Those Mikey's are
1: good. got a few skills in his tool bag, right? There's a few holes in there, but he knows he know he's on. He's on listen, to it right now. Listen, though.
0: my man, probably he, listen. He's probably got more gummies in his tummy right now than is medically advisable. So he <laughs> he's like, I actually way. have
1: the THC inf- infused watermelon ones at this moment. <laughs> That's
0: right. That's right. He's like, and even with the THC, they still taste bomb. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Least favorite. What's the What's the lowest seed?
1: Uh, the score bar—it's like a grandmother candy bar with the toffee. That's that's bollocks, Luke. Um, Butterfinger is an absolute trash. If you eat Butterfinger on the regular, my wife does, I'll have bad things to say about you, but not to your face. <laughs> I'm not gonna piss her off, Luke. I mean, come on, dude. Um, we didn't mention pe not peanut MMs, but peanut butter flavored MMs are are. Fran, friggin' tastic. They're, yeah, they're in this good. conversation. They're good. But they're good, um, yeah. what? A, okay, as a hollow This is a Halloween question, dude. If you get Mary Jane's in your bag on Halloween and you're a kid, or that fucking popcorn ball, you should you should piss on the steps as they close the door behind yeah, you. Yeah,
0: okay? I'll say I'll say two of the low seeds on the chocolate side, milk duds kind of trife, kind of yeah, trife. Yeah, and and, and also uh three musketeers yo just go fuck your family three no, musketeers dude, don't, is absolute don't, okay, feces don't
1: don't die on that hill three musketeers is badass it, it, that and milky way are the same <laughs> three, thing. They're, three they're musketeers
0: amazing. deserves three stabs in the face i no mean way. What, a, what, a, what a what a worthless piece of shit candy
1: oh get out of here who said that luke and gaff come on that three musketeers is bad it's it's fire long right, island luke. i'll say this long on island the Luke's can- coming from australia come on yeah,
0: i'll say this on the candy side for like shit i hate uh you know, candy corn is always going to be something that people throw in there. I, I'll, I'll eat a couple of them. I don't love them. I don't hate them. They're fine. Oh, they're so
1: they're so good until they spoil in your mouth. Yeah, until yeah, that exactly. moment, they're. Oh, but I'll yeah.
0: say this: you know what kind of I fucking I used to love, and now I'm like, man, get this shit out of my face, Smarties. You know, they're too. Dude, they're Smarties. Too, they are... taste like they taste like yeah, a, they, they taste like good tasting medicine. They don't taste no. like candy.
1: If you want a one up from Smarties, go to bottle caps. At least that's solid. That's a movie theater item. Okay, that's fine. Raisinets, you, badass. I mean, come on. We you know just don't.
0: What's the what are the what are the ones that are like wafers? They're, they're but they're but they're candy. Necco wafers, yeah. Necco wafers. No, yeah. that's grandma Feces. territory.
1: Feces. You come from a father who would give kids Arby's
0: coupons on Halloween. I mean, come on. No, 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 no. Get it, get it right, asshole. How about Roy <laughs> Rogers coupons? <laughs> Dude, my dad in nineteen eighties. <laughs> Marion Barry, crime-infested DC, is giving out Roy Rogers coupons at Halloween. I mean, yeah, what yeah. is more divorce dad energy than that? Nothing. The only though,
1: worse than nothing. that as a kid was when they put coins. They give you coins instead or, you know, the damn popcorn I told ball, you we had on. a
0: dentist who lived, not in my neighborhood, but my friend's neighborhood. We were and trick or treat down there, and they had a dentist who lived down the street, and that motherfucker would always give out toothbrushes, which... You know, the mom and dad always thought it was like a really cool thing. I would be like, so the "Fucker, put yeah. some Snickers in this goddamn bag." Did your parents like
1: r- look over every piece of candy for like pinholes that that like poison and drugs were put in? I'd always be like, "No, I let me let me try it. <laughs> you know, if there's some good stuff in there, no, let me but, let me be the guinea pig. You know,
0: no, but they would. Def- my dad would definitely do the tax." Like let's lay it all out. All right, I'm gonna take uh, this one. Yeah. I'm gonna take this one. I'm gonna take this. I'll one.
1: take this. I'll take this. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, gee, Dad. I, it's great.
0: funny that I go to all the neighbors. They don't give me coupons, yet you seem to yeah. hand those out. That's funny. Man, your
1: dad sucks lately. I mean, come on, <laughs> Big Rob. Come on. All right, look, we gotta close the show because I gotta piss really bad with the best segment and let's one of my better of batches. Feces, let's do it. One of my better fecal batches in a while. I scoured the Globe yesterday. The high, the low, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in between in combat sports and beyond. We call this. Have you seen this shit? Shout out to Gaff Pierre behind the scenes for going through my shit to find the colonels, Luke. And we start a UFC fight night in Vegas. I'm sorry, Mike Jackson, but Pete Rodriguez was for real. Wow. Luke never meant to make that videographer cry, but this was destructive,
0: brother. By the way, oh, they put early 2000s. I guess that's right, but definitely not a 90s reference there.
1: I think that was 99. Am I wrong? No? Maybe 2000. No, that's,
0: that's in the 2000s
1: all right uh luke this was a this was oh one they're saying oh one dude Fuck
0: yeah life. not the 90s
1: oh you're right i guess i got double crossed there my bad guys okay uh luke what do you think about this knockout um it's pretty pretty brutal right
0: fucking super brutal i wonder if they're gonna give mike jackson another fight i don't think so but um no
1: nah, i don't think so but but that's you know, a brutal you know. way to go Scumbag media, MMA media, taking another hit here, Luke. Uh, let's yeah. go to the bantamweight division. Did you see Leo Mana Martinez? He nearly finished Brandon Davis in this batshit crazy ending to round two.
0: Look at this. By the way, did I hear James Krause in the corner say I'm going to lose money on this? Uh, you're about to hear James Kraus in a second, but Luke, did okay. you see
1: this? This was this was wild as shit, man.
0: Yeah, he was just he was just hitting all the buttons on the on the controller.
1: All right, let's go to James Kraus between rounds. Uh talking up Martinez here.
0: Here, take it. We're good. Do you
1: understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. You're doing fucking around too much. This is your fight to win. Yes, sir. You've heard him like 3 times now and you fuck around. Let's we'll go. We'll take a quick Stay 30 short,
0: second break and be back with round 3.
1: Dude, look at him,
0: motherfucker. Don't got you got fucking walk shit. out of here he tonight and let this motherfucker win this fight? This is your goddamn yeah. fight, Tony. Yeah. You understand me? Yes, sir. Don't you? I don't care. It's five fucking minutes. When I tell you to press him, you're fucking press him. Do you understand
1: me? Yes, sir. Yes. Don't you let him walk out of here with this goddamn fight?
0: Too yes, much. Do you hear me? Yes, Do, you hear
1: me? Yes, Do you understand? Yes, sir. Let's fucking go. Did he say, "Listen, motherfucker," to his own fighter? Look,
0: damn. Actually, I like that speech. That was pretty great.
1: I wish somebody would give us that speech before MKH episode. That was great. By the way, Martinez I know.
0: would. Our producers are always like. They're I, all our producers before every Monday show are like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Hey everyone, it's another rainy day in Hoboken. Who am I talking about, <laughs> BC? Wow, you just you just did mad dirty right there. Um, by the way,
1: Martinez would go on to win a split decision over three rounds. So I'm not sure if this speech really hit the mark but he was verbally undressing him by the way i you know i coached fourth grade basketball a couple years ago luke damn it's not the same as it used to be so i will support this level of language to motivate a person i wish you could still swear out kids you Listen, know what i mean so for some I just...
0: people it works for some people it works
1: it always did for me luke uh, let's go to alonzo Menafield. apparently he killed misha surkin did
0: you see this good, good lord i did i did poor misha surkin man i mean it might be time to call it a day he's taking a lot of bad l's damn that's some
1: brutal stuff right there. Yeah, that's
0: a ter- I mean, when, when they bounce like that, like Crow Cop, when they fall on yeah. their leg and then their body bounces them off of it, like when it ricochets, that's uh, never a great sign.
1: Uh, the shirt of the week goes for to Cub Swanson exiting the bus on his way to the arena here. Luke, you and I could not pull this off, but what do you think?
0: No, we could not pull it off, but I'm still waiting for a fighter to roll out to one of these things that has a shirt on that says, I fuck on the first date.
1: Okay, okay. I'm sure many do, Luke. Uh, let's go over to Jonathan Martinez. We mentioned Cub Swanson took the L by brutal leg kicks. This was just the 14th such stoppage in UFC history. Oh, oh.
0: And, dude, wow. Cub, Cub is a tough guy, man. For yes. him to be writhing in agony like that, it has to be bad.
1: Big win for Jonathan Martinez. Huge, and don't forget huge. about... Joe Anderson Brito, also on this undercard, he took out Lucas Alexander via submission, and it was Python-like. Look at this. Woo!
0: Yeah, oh, look at that. Oh, tears him off of his base with the the pulling back pressure. Yeah. Yikes.
1: All right, let's get grosser. It's BKFC 31 time from Denver, so you want to be a bare-knuckle fighter. Look at Courtney Cameron and Crystal Pittman. One of those two, a disgusting, bloody mess. Wow, damn.
0: Lord, dude, they get fucking mauled in this fucking sport. Man. Yes,
1: that's why I'm saying if you're a star, well, Crystal
0: Pittman uh, was advertising. I saw this her OnlyFans
1: with what was she the bloody one, Luke?
0: I'm not sure. I can't quite tell. I don't know these women well enough, but um, uh, the weigh-ins. I saw the I saw the weigh-in photos Yeah, the MMA junkie.
1: Yeah, this is the last stop on the combat sports highway for sure. But how about Chris Camozzi, former UFC fighter, made his BKFC debut on Saturday or Friday, whatever this was, and he took Bubba McDonald to the, McDaniel to the yeah, woodshed, yeah. Luke. Two, two UFC vets here. Two UFC yes. vets. Um, nice yeah, win yeah, Chris here for Chris Camozzi is
0: actually a, a pretty is a pretty talented guy actually.
1: Yeah he had he had that cup of coffee in PFL he was decent right.
0: Yeah, even in UFC, he never had, like, an amazing win, but he always had, like, pretty solid performances.
1: Well, in the main event, Luke, Mike Richmond had a wild come-from-behind knockout victory in the final round to win the vacant light heavyweight world title. But you know who has the full championship, right? Lorenzo Hunt, and they had to hold this guy back. He wanted to have the the unification right there, right now.
0: Dude, I... And BKFC, don't you have to just let those guys like like illegally fight?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be in the in the ring, outside of it, they're going to use bare knuckles. Just by the let way, them look go. at
0: the lighting on the ring post there for BKFC—that's new.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- dude, we we clown, but they're making moves, right? Would you say they're they're alive? Are they alive? They and are. Well,
0: they're doing something. I give them credit. They're doing something for sure. All they're right. they're signing some decent names, and they definitely get on this fucking program a lot.
1: Luke, are you willing to break down Andrew Yates' 19-second knockout of Nolan McLaughlin here also on this card?
0: Oh, God. Let's see. Bateson with a jab. He tries to double up, and he just gets timed. Oof. Yeah, look at that. Bam. Look at that
1: fall. Damn. Pop. All right. Hey, it's time for real to recognize some real. You know this fires me up. Speaking of BKFC 31, former teammates Rose Nama Yunus and Ben Rothwell exchanging pleasantries. this fire you up, Luke?
0: Dude, look at Rothwell's fist. I mean, is that a Christmas (laughs) ham? Look at that
1: thing. (laughs) Jesus Uh,
0: Christ.
1: Real recognized real backstage at a MLS game as uh, Mexican superstar Chicharito caught up with t-city Dude, brian
0: ortega can you, can you, can, i mean here i am i mean i'm a total hypocrite let me be very clear about that but you said chicharito like you were ordering from a menu for fuck's sake
1: well i didn't i was have some excited, respect. excitedly pronouncing his name this was not this look it wasn't this okay uh
0: I'm you sure. should know that chicharito played for real madrid uh, for a little while had a little spell there is he
1: washy now is that why he's in the MLS yeah he's a little
0: washy now he played in uh with, with byron leverkusen um uh, or however the fuck you say it, one of the german teams for a little while played with real for a yeah. little while i think it was with the Gallic. i think he's with the galaxy now something like that um do you
1: think chicharito's dms can rival t-city at all
0: oh yeah i mean dude for a while he was you know a top mexican star i think even in some ways he still kind of is um yeah, for sure. He's and he's beloved too. He's always been like a real team guy and team first kind of guy. So,
1: uh, real also recognized real when former UFC lightweight champion Charles Oliveira uh, walked a lion.
0: Yeah, I mean, a- MMA fighters love uh, just parading abused animals for reasons I'll never understand. But is here this that doc? Is this huh?
1: Doc Antle's farm, uh, Bhagavan, Luke? Is this no, Bhagavan's uh, place?
0: Yeah, the, the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, no, I'm not sure. Uh, this, I've, I think this is in Abu Dhabi, but I can't be sure. Also, does Charles walk weird or is that me?
1: Are you saying he's bold-legged?
0: bold-legged? Yeah, a little bold-legged there with like this. T- he's got pigeon toes or whatever. Or, uh, well, not, well, not pigeon toes. He's got the opposite of it. He's got like, he's, like, he's got walks kind of like a duck.
1: Yeah, that's how Mark McGuire used to walk, Luke, when he was taking all that creatine and shit. Yeah, wow. All right. Uh, Luke, let's go to the biggest sports story of the weekend. How about Tennessee upsetting Alabama? These end zone cam views of the ending with the celebration. This is like Central American soccer in terms of how the uh, how
0: crazy it got afterwards. This is wild. Did you see this shit? And they stormed the field because they beat Bama, right? Yep. Yep, here they come. Boise Most points, was like, Bama, yeah, well, fuck this.
1: Most points Bama had given up since 1909. It was 52 to 49 finish and uh, You
0: see those Bama players getting the fuck out of Dodge? Dude,
1: you see the refs get mauled as they were running away? I mean, this was wild. But
0: yeah, BBC, what it what, what would it be like cuz the game was at home, right? So it was in ten, it was at the University of Tennessee. Yeah. What would it be like to be a player for that team that night in that time? Oh. God. Dude, Can they took imagine... the goal.
1: First of all, the fans ripped the goal out Carried them out of the stadium, brought them to a bar, and then dumped them in the river. So, like, you know, I'm, I've been at UConn after some crazy Big East tournament wins and people letting couches on fire, but this is like, this is wild. Yeah, if you're a player, Luke, you're, oh man, you're you're volunteering yourself to all the Tennessee women. You know what I'm saying? It is just wow.
0: Maybe it's the yeah, other they way vo- they volunteered for some STDs that night, if you know what I mean. Uh,
1: what do you think about this intimidation move by Tennessee left tackle Jeremiah Crawford, who? uh Projectile vomited at Alabama and then talked that shit. You like that?
0: That's normal Uh, human behavior. (laughs)
1: How about this human? College football also birthed a new, uh, their own version of the Just Bleed guy. Luke, I don't really get the, the connection between cigars and Tennessee, but everybody had one after this game. And they don't have this. Oh, great. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Well, it was that dude. Did you see that still picture that closed the CBS broadcast where that dude was like wiling out with us? A... All right. All right. There we go. Thank you. Okay. It's a
0: good story. Great show.
1: Great show. All right, Luke. Uh, Brendan Schaub, very, uh, very famous podcaster. He was a guest on somebody else's pod and he was shouting out our boy Rashad Evans. Get ready for this, Luke our way
0: um so brennan we know that you were a fighter in the ufc mm-hmm. um and that's incredible and we just want to ask you who has Known. the biggest dick in the ufc rashad no. evans no mm-hmm. facts i think so i mean it'd be tough does to he talk it. about it out in no public? no but he was a trained partner of mine and he used to not wear a cup and when you're grappling it was just like all <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like, if like there's heavy, Only fans back then, me and him would make
0: bangs. Oh. Like, he would, like, transition over. I'm like, dude, get your big Let me right fucking now, I'm feeling the
1: dick. weight of a man's dick on your face while you're outside. trying to get him off you. Yeah, He's brutal. I don't know. He has a giant dick, though. You know, he, I had a second. Luke, we should probably consider bringing Rashad into our OnlyPipes idea. <laughs> I mean, it's just potentially... Now
0: on, from now on, I'm calling Rashad Snuffleupagus because that old <laughs> elephant trunk is just a dangling... <laughs> Does this mean Shab got dicked down, Luke,
1: on the ground and pound? I mean, what happened here? All right, <laughs> uh, Tiger Thick, indeed, indeed, Luke. Wow, all right. Oh,
0: you Let's had go. that one. Sa- you had that one saved. I know you. I know your bitch ass. Uh, oh, that is good. Bits. That Let's is go like... to PBC
1: on Fox pay per view from Brooklyn. Here is the ringside view of that knockout we talked about. Caleb Plant finishing Durrell.
0: Oh, Lord have mercy. Good Lord. That is just a phenomenal way to settle a grudge match, is it not?
1: Yep. You, you can't see the the finishing hook as cleanly from this view, but you see that left hook downstairs, and then he came right back up top. Damn.
0: But again, he waits just a half beat. And the he level change. He pop Impressive. and pop. He waits, and then he comes up and finishes. It's perfect.
1: And here is the very controversial uh, celebration afterwards. Can we go full screen on this, please?
0: Yeah, I know. Can you imagine being like, this is a place of sportsmanship. Get the fuck out of here.
1: Uh, Luke, they asked Caleb Plant after the fight at the press conference about this very controversial moment. Here's his explanation.
0: I'm just burying the beef between us, that's all.
1: (laughs) Dude, he's cut. You know what? You know, uh, you know, our boss at Showtime, Brian Daly, great guy. You mm-hmm. know what he texted me in response to this mm-hmm. natural heel. Like he could play that pro wrestling, cool, bad guy in boxing. If you wanted to, could he, could he not Luke? I think Caleb the more he?
0: interesting thing is that you talk to our bosses way more than I do. That's the, that's the, that's the big takeaway there.
1: Well, you know, the, the, <laughs> the channels are open. Luke, if you want to make friends or you could, you know, just be bitter, yeah, but I don't the know distance. how to do
0: that. That's the problem.
1: All right, stay with me. I've gotten you pretty far in this run, Lucas. <laughs> okay, maybe that's not accurate history, but here we go. Uh let's not uh let's not do anything but celebrate Deontay Wilder's knockout as well. Here's the ringside view of how he finished. Robert Hellenius.
0: You can barely even see and then look how stiff like and and you know buzzed out that Hellenius is. Good lord, man.
1: Uh, There were a lot of very gnarly photographs done uh, of this finish. Here's one from ringside photographer Timothy Clary that I retweeted that was just insane.
0: Yep. Look at that. That is insane.
1: In the membrane. Wow. Literally. Okay. Literally. Wow. All right, Luke. We had a good fight in the uh, MLB playoffs. Indians fans took umbrage with this Yankees guy who had the higher ground, Anakin.
0: You mean Guardians?
1: Oh, sorry, Guardians, Redskins, sorry about that. Uh, they're at Kashi here, Luke. He has the higher ground, but it didn't work out for him as Vader gets him.
0: Well, I mean, look at old big country there. Oh, just throws beer in his face. Oh, oh he look at that old back guy, the Comeback. Oh, and then he fell even further down the stage. Yeah, he
1: did. He did. Don't don't fight with younger guys in a, in a, in a crowd. Come okay,
0: on. how about just don't fight at the ballpark? How about that? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm going to say true. this one more time. It's not hard to go to the ballpark and not get into a fistfight. It's very easy to like just get in, watch the game, okay. and leave.
1: Okay. What about if you consume at least ten pitcher or sorry uh, pints of beer that were purchased for twenty two dollars each, Luke? Then you might, you might.
0: You, you might. know that certainly changes the equation a little bit, but still. Okay. Uh,
1: elsewhere in boxing, let's go to Haney Cambosis from Down Under on this undercard. Look at Cherneka Johnson. She overcame a cut that was just absurd to defend her IBF title versus Suzy Ramadan. Look, I think you could see Bone some rounds. I'm not even kidding. This was gnarly as shit.
0: Yeah, did she actually I checked this out. She actually had a post up about it later. She uh, took a picture with the cut man and thanked him for wh- what good of a job he did. And he really did. He nailed it. What a phenomenal job by the cut man and, and keeping that as closed as he possibly could, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, we talked about Shields and Marshall being one of the best women's championship boxing fights in history. This was just in round one. This is where Shields really grabbed my attention for just going for it. Not everything yeah. landing clean, but they let their
0: hands go. Yeah. I mean, she's not she's not jabbing and trying to stay away.
1: She's going after it. She's, she's seizing the moment. You got to respect that. Uh, the entrances, as I mentioned, were were pretty damn awesome. Here is a quick snapshot of uh, Clarissa Shields coming to the ring, and by snapshot I mean video.
0: Getting booed like a motherfucker, too.
1: Probably, probably, but look at—we got dancers. I mean, this is like a Pitbull concert.
0: Yeah, I no? don't look. Yeah, I mean. Well
1: do you now a few a few of the fighters did this exact type of uh routine. Do you worry about gassing out here on the stage? This is Michelle podato like here, Luke.
0: Nah, it's still a little bit low key. Alright.
1: If she I had done the splits
0: idea. or something, that'd be terrible.
1: All right. Hey, let's go for some NFL weirdness. Uh here's the call of the week that came during the cards Bengals game.
0: Like when there's a guy coming right in your face and he just sits in there and, and delivers it uh, really well.
1: Uh, you you do have to like when a guy just uh, yeah yeah okay do you I don't know.
0: I th- uh, Luke, I, I I said this last night. Uh, Collinsworth had a had a decent one about dick being rammed down your throat. Yeah, hopefully
1: we see that next week. Uh, Luke, where I come from, uh, I, you know, I, I grew up an hour and a half from New York City, so I consider myself Greater New York, right? Do you? No.
0: You're or not am Greater I just, New York. You're not. You're
1: not. All right, where I come from, this is called a giant hando. What do you call it, Luke?
0: I call that the New York City subway. <laughs> All right, uh, I, call, let's go. I, I, I call that the two three at one a.m. Yeah,
1: uh, Luke, what do you what do you have? Do you have any pet nicknames for a nasty curveball in baseball when you're watching, or do you just not
0: watch? Uh, no, I don't give a shit.
1: All right, well, get ready to see a a, a curveball that's got to have BDE. Check this out.
0: Ah, uh, swing, Adam is just wiped him out with a big curveball. Man, the curveball has some serious dick to it right now.
1: <laughs> the curveball uh, had dick to it? I don't know if he meant to say dig. I don't is that a term that boy that or, that or pitch had some stick. dick to it. Wow. All right. Uh hey Luke, I found a new restaurant. You're always looking for Zagat ratings, right? Um the, unfortunately, the health standards are kind of shitty. Uh, would you eat here, Luke?
0: <laughs> I, I'm only guessing this is from your family photo.
1: <laughs> this is your house after that grill got melted, Luke, unfortunately. But uh, wow. Dude, that okay.
0: is, that's one of the most horrendous things I've ever seen.
1: Uh, Luke, we grew up with uh, monumental two-sport athletes, Dion Sanders, Bo Jackson. How about Rod Tang? We know he can mix it up in the Muay Thai Here's, here's old Rotang on the soccer pitch, yeah.
0: Yeah, wearing number ten, no less. That's the prestigious one. Look at that. I love Finishes, it. Finishes, dribbles around some, uh, you know, cab driver, and gets the gets the nod there. Didn't so Ronaldo done, wear number ten,
1: huh? Luke? Brazil's Ronaldo? Didn't he wear number ten, or was that nine? I don't remember. I can't didn't remember he? Le- didn't he have some episode with a woman that wasn't a woman? I don't remember, Luke. I don't. I can't handle it all. Okay, let's keep it going. Hey, right that tat time. Joe Rogan shared this on social media. He's got some super fans. What do you think of this uh, design, though?
0: So this would be uh, new school. Uh, Portrait realism slash new school, mostly new school. Uh, It's well done. It's a well done. I mean, I would never, ever want to get it. Um, And there's some line work that's a little fucked up. Go back to the first one. Look at the uh, you see the alien spaceship. You see how the lines are a little crooked through it.
1: I like it, Luke. Okay, don't he in ge- me. In like general,
0: that. it's well done. In general, it's okay, well done. thank you.
1: Uh, let's close with a couple more here. The, did you know in the U.S. we had a visitor? The finance minister of Pakistan Dude, arrived this in on Dulles. U.S. this soil. is
0: my neck of the woods. I've been to this place a million times.
1: All right, let's go to the videotape. <laughs> Bye-bye
0: Bye-bye, you, are you, the you are the job. You are the Hey, shut your mouth. Shut don't, 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 don't shout. I fuck you right here motherfucker you don't know me what? motherfucker try to be smart ass I fuck you right here
1: motherfucker I am the baby 50 you motherfucker you are the back your shit fucking
0: fuck you I mean at least take him out to dinner first right look you think yeah, BC. that's so l- bc i will fuck you right here you understand me do you
1: think that's the line that all the tennessee players used at the bar after that game look after beating bamma <laughs> all
0: Hold right my, uh, ear, my earpiece died because the show was so long hang on
1: luke you are a master of the thc lately for your own health purposes i want to see you get creative though bring art to your smoke consumption let's check out these friends inside the studio
0: Dude, I would just do that, but with my rear end instead. (laughs) (laughs) BC, I will fuck you right here.
1: I mean, I I don't want to come back down from that cloud, but if it's one of your ass clouds, Luke, you know, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really into that. All right. Hey, hockey's back. It's back. I think, which means Red Wings fans are out here throwing full octopuses onto the ice again. What the hell's wrong with these people? What's the significance?
0: Yeah, that's that's normal. That's just normal human behavior.
1: Who brings a dead whole octopus to a game?
0: I mean, what are we doing? This is Okay, so we've talked about like people who are like hardcore team NFL fans. Yeah. Right? And they're just absolute dirtbags. Dude, this guy's car got repossessed in the lot. I guarantee it.
1: Uh, Long Island Luke is letting us know that in Detroit the tradition is that you need eight games to win in the playoffs to win the Stanley Cup, which represents the eight legs of the octopus. Yeah, That's can just... we
0: not can we not uh you know you, you know kill sentient animals to do this? Is that like yeah, a thing we can Okay.
1: Sorry, avoid? Luke. I mean, you you were praising hunting the other day. I've eaten a few burgers in my time. Yeah, too, regulated
0: but... hunting actually keeps disease down in populations and is good for the environment. Thank you. Uh, uh let's close with this though. Killing octopuses. What the they fuck say are you doing?
1: They say kids say the darndest things, Luke. They also do some pretty disturbing shit once in a while that ruins, you know, like when you're moving out of your apartment.
0: Oh, fuck.
1: Oh, fuck. Dude, that kid just punches the dude in the balls.
0: I'd be like, kid, the days of Coco Melon watching are motherfucking over. It's over.
1: You think you're sleeping in our bed now?
0: Nope. Nope. Tuki? Sorry. All right. Just drop in these fucking TVs. I would I mean all the right. kid would have the kid would be in some serious peril after that.
1: That's the shit of the week. Look, we gave these people two hours and twenty minutes of our life. I hope it was the best two hours and twenty minutes they had. Probably all
0: more boxing than they cared for, if we're being candid, but that's the show. You know, that's what we do. That's the
1: show. Here. What do you want? More you want morning combat or morning MMA? You know?
0: That's right. Uh wanna remind folks, speaking of MMA, the UFC two eighty. Pre-game preview with Chuck and BC and yours truly is up right now. We put it up yesterday. So go check that out. People seem to like it. They always love it when Chuck's on the show. We do too. So that should be a lot of fun. As a reminder.
1: Say it. it. The new A-team. Say it.
0: Yeah, the new A-team. That's fine. I don't mind. I don't care. Um, There's our socials. You can follow us everywhere, including TikTok. I want to remind everyone this will happen. I will be doing a post-fight show for UFC 280 right here on Morning Combat. So stick around for that on Saturday. Of course, we have two more shows before that, so we'll get you ready in that way. Uh, let's see, Showtime.com is the label that pays. Go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Plus $3.99 a month for the three months after that. Uh, DraftKings. Go download the, the DraftKings uh, app, sportsbook app, and if you use the code COMBAT, you can bet $5 if you're, a, I believe, a first-time user or whatever, on UFC 280, you can get 200 in free bets if your fighter wins. So be be sure to do that. What else, BC? What am I forgetting? What am I forgetting? I got I got, I got, I got to take a whiz, Luke. And you know that All nobody right. beats it, right? Nobody. Nobody beats nobody. the effing whiz. You can go to morningcombat.store for the merch. We're back on Wednesday. Watch the 280 preview. And uh, yeah, that'll be that. So for Brian Campbell, for Malka, for CBS Sports, for Showtime, I'm LT, that's BC. We'll see you all Wednesday, and until then, may all of your gains be loyal.